Hi, I'm Tom Chick, and I apologize for what's basically a commercial. It's totally okay if you want to hit that little 15-second fast-forward button a couple of times to skip past the next two minutes. Because those of you who stuck around, well, I'm going to bug you with a reminder that the 2016 Make Us Watch Whatever Movie You Want fund drive has begun. If you donate a dollar to us, you can name any movie you want as the topic for our February 28th podcast. It can be Air Bud. It can be some insufferable Star Trek thing or Star Wars. You can pick some old 70s comedy thing that Kelly Wand might enjoy that has uh, Jonathan Winters in it or whatever. It can be a new movie or an old movie. It can be a foreign movie. You can make us watch a Bollywood movie. Just donate $1 or more because every dollar that you donate will give you an additional vote. Uh, it's like it's like a raffle, and every dollar is a ticket. Uh, you can put all your votes on one movie. You can split them up. Totally up to you. So to participate, click the Donate button on the front page of QuarterTo3.com, or you can go to PayPal.me slash QT3, the letter Q, the letter T, the numeral 3, or finally, you can donate to my email address. That's TomWChick at gmail.com. Any of those will work. Be sure to include as a comment uh, the movie that you are choosing. Uh, if you mess up, if you somehow forget to like write it in there, don't worry. I'll email you and make sure to find out what you want us to watch. Entries are good until February 21st at 9 p.m. California time. Uh, that's when we will pick the winner live on the air. It, it's, well, it's a podcast. It's not live. But still, it will pick the winner on the air. And that way you will know as soon as we find out what we're watching for the February 28th podcast. If you want, you can even watch it with us, of course, and then uh, have more insight into whatever we're going to talk about on February 28th. And like I said, it can be literally anything, any movie. It can, it can be a documentary, which, as you know, that's not even a movie. If you wanted to be mean to us, even, you could pick something that we've already had to suffer through. You can make us watch Ricky and the Flash again, or you can make us watch the Fantastic Four movie again. I don't know why you'd want to do that. We already... I already did podcasts on those, but you know what? It's your dollar. Maybe you hate us. We are at your mercy. Now, a quick caveat. Uh, employees of the Quarter to Three podcast and their families are not eligible. So, Dingus, you can stop trying to stuff the ballot box with requests for Midnight Run. Besides, your choice of fake name isn't fooling anyone. I mean, seriously, Morosky? What kind of fakey name is that? I mean, what, what else are you going to do? It's not like that was particularly clever or anything. It's just... It's still amusing. Okay. I was sure you guys would be like, oh, really? <laughs> what? No, I always love a good Neil Diamond moment. Oh, um, I saw that movie in the theater. Coming to... Oh, wow. Because, no, I've never seen... Isn't he even in it? Yeah, he's the star. He's the uh, Serge J. Ronan. Ugh. Yeah, I also no, I saw him in... I was having concert one time, and at one point, uh, some oh. lasers formed a diamond around it. Get it? No. Like a green diamond. So here's how disgusting. I find this 
personally disgusting, but for the longest time, I conflated Neil Young and Neil Diamond. How horrible <laughs> is that? Crush, Seriously, I mean... Kills, Ash, and Diamond. Yeah, yeah, like I mean... That's a whole version of the other one. No, one's wretched, and the other's awesome. Um, and I'll leave you to guess which is which. You know what? Sorry. Hello! Welcome to the Quarter 3 Movie Podcast. Welcome to the Quarter 3 Movie Podcast. My name is Tom Chick, and we are going to discuss Brooklyn. (laughs) I'm here with Christian Malstransky. It doesn't matter. I'm just the gooseberry of the podcast. (laughs) I can't wait to get to something. Uh, And with our Brooklyn tagline, Kelly Wand. It's like Titanic, but if the ship hadn't crashed. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I like that. Kelly Wan, get out of my head. Oh. And mine, too, as you will find out soon. Kelly Wan, do you have one that's not in our heads, that may be another tagline that doesn't anticipate something we were already thinking? That might be a pleasant surprise. Some Irish happens. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Wan, these things usually travel in threes. Except for the clovers. Oh, nice. Uh, I don't get that one. What's wrong with clovers? Four-leaf clover. Right. What's wrong with them, though? Well, they don't travel in threes? Right. Oh, I thought that was a tagline. I didn't realize it had something to do with what I had said. Kelly Wan, that's nice. Very nice. Hmm. Well, Dingus won that one. Um, (laughs) This this has been explaining jokes to Tom. (laughs) Yeah. A math joke, even. That's weird. There's more where that came from. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Kelly, one. Do you have a note tag like that? Tom's bottleneck. Uh, the third one is taps into my fear of chick flicks. Mm, all right. Well, we're going to discuss that in a moment. But first, Kelly, one. Why don't you uh, submit me and Dingus to a contest of wills? Submit. All right. This is where you guys try and guess a movie that I read a synopsis of on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Well, the listeners listen to you guess. And whoever guesses it first wins, correct? Yeah. All right. It's in, okay. It's in Dingus, keeping with... Dingus, I'm going to crush you. Oh. I don't know who's... Uh, I know. I think I'm the scorekeeper, but I don't know who's been winning. I got so, last week, so Tom, Tom's... I mean, this might be Tom's... It might be Tom's time. Oh, I'm going to win so hard. Okay, I, I'm going to leave, I think. <laughs> I think this always wins, I think, because Tom gets things mixed up all the time, like nope. his needles. I got this one. I totally his wind one. needles. Kelly, <laughs> 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 quit being so pleased with yourself and read us an IMDb synopsis. This is in keeping with the Irish theme. Mm. Also, and this is your hint, this is the movie that made me want to become an astronomer. Become mm. an astronomer. Wow. seconds on the board. On a distant planet, a power-hungry leprechaun kidnaps... A leprechaun Canadian. 3, leprechaun in space. No? Yes? Uh, uh, no, leprechaun 4, leprechaun in space. Leprechaun t- 1, leprechaun fly, 5, 2, Mars, three. Mars, Mars. There's a leprechaun movie where he goes into space, that one. I see Dingus has given up on the play. Um, <laughs> Tom now won on math after failing at math earlier. So, yeah. Um, Tom just yelled numbers until they got it. No, Dingus, because I know, I unlike like, you. I think I, like, like Alex Trebek would be like, forget it, you rang in. But also, Dingus, it's clear that I'm the one who knew there was a Leprechaun movie where he goes into space. 
Right. Yeah. How did you know that? Because of what Kelly <laughs> read? Because I've seen it. <laughs> I thought that would tip both of you off. Because these yeah. are the words, and I have read them to you. Don't pretend you know the leprechaun oeuvre, Dingus. I don't. I know I know you don't. That's what I just said. I thought Dingus was a leprechaun in space, that. Tom guesses. Leprechaun 1, Leprechaun 2, Leprechaun 3, Leprechaun nope. 4. I did not start with Leprechaun 1. That's the Jennifer Aniston one. I started yeah. with what? one of the later ones. I knew it was a later one. Yeah, she's in that. I don't know if it was her first role, but just like Kevin Bacon in Friday the 13th, Jennifer Aniston was in Leprechaun 1. She's awesome in it. She looks amazing. I believe it's pronounced Bacon, by the way. Kevin Bacon. She plays Rachel Griffiths or whatever her name was. She know. plays Rachel Griffiths. <laughs> the actress? What? What was her friend's character? Jackie I never Tom. watched Friends. Oh, I don't know Friends either. Dingus, we're going to have to consult with you uh, about the characters in Friends. That's Dingus's era. I discovered four friends on the edge, and I went, that girl is mine. And the girl in Friends is known as Elaine, and then the others are all men. So I don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. Uh... Just FYI, that sentence ends. On a distant planet, power-hungry leprechaun kidnaps Dominion Princess, Princess Serena, and plans to make himself king, but not if a bumbling brigade of space marines have anything to say about it. <laughs> bumbling brigade. There you go. Also, Tom uh, Lubdan is the leprechaun's name. I didn't know that. I'm not. That's a great trivia question. What is the leprechaun's name from the leprechaun movies? Very good. His name is Lubdan, as, a, as yeah. in I love Dan. Yeah. All right. Thing is, it's Irish. Don't pretend to understand it. <laughs> this is disconsolate about all this. <laughs> I, I, I thought you had a chance at that for some weird reason. Well, my prediction came true. Dingus, I crushed you at guessing the Leprechaun movie game. That's I win. True. I'm sorry, Dingus. That was yeah. kind of skewed. I apologize. Yeah, there's no way Dingus was going to get that before me. I mean, he might have. Yeah, Leprechaun space. But I, you know, once I heard Lep, I was thinking Leprechaun's in space. I was there. Actually, the, I, I guess I, I can wear that as a badge of honor on my kilt, yeah, my yeah, Irish kilt. I agree with that. I thought it would be an upset for some weird reason. I don't know. Speaking but. of Irish kilts, it's not, yeah, it's the worst segue ever. Uh, let's talk about the movie we saw this week. Dingus, what was that movie? All right, this week we saw Brooklyn, mm-hmm. a 2015 historical period drama movie about the Irish Titanic immigrant that made it here. Thank you, <laughs> Kelly Wand. Ah, it's always such a race. It was directed by John Crowley and written by Nick Hornby. Oh. Based on really? a novel by Colm Toybin. What are you going to do? It's, it stars Saoirse Ronan, Jim Broadbent, Emery Cohen, Donald Gleason, and Fiona Glasscott. Uh, Brooklyn is rated PG-13 for a scene of sexuality <laughs> and brief, strong language. Hey, why did, did the MPAA miss anything that you feel parents should know about? Uh, precocious Italian racists. <laughs> <laughs> Some mild sense of place <laughs> and extremely graphic malarkey. Very good. Uh, Brooklyn Brooklyn has a, had a very limited release, so we're not going to talk about how much money it makes. It is doesn't count. Thought it was all over the place. Brooklyn, no, no, it uh, it never hit more than like a hundred theaters. Um, it was released directly to the Academy, basically. This was an art film. 
Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Please. Huh. Who who is in it that you think is makes it not an art film? What about Brooklyn? Mm, come on, please. And it's all Hollywoody. You know what? Hold that thought. Let's talk about how how Hollywood. How did the critics respond to Brooklyn? On Metacritic, the average rating from various reviews eighty seven. Oh my god. That's nothing, Kelly. One. Why do you hear this? Rotten Tomatoes. Of the reviews of Brooklyn, two percent of them are negative. Brooklyn is ninety-eight on Rotten Tomatoes. Nine-eight on Rotten Tomatoes. It's huge, Kelly. So you know what? So Star Wars, Tom's <laughs> favorite Star Wars movie of all seven. Is it really at night? It should be. I mean, I'm surprised it's not at a hundred. What the hell's wrong with people? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. There's which an election is, coming up. Which is more feminist, this movie or Star Wars? Yep, Star Kelly. Wars. Exactly. Well, Kelly Wong, let's let's uh, plumb that a little bit. Let's let's dive into it and uh, discover things about Brooklyn by having you that- <laughs> give us a Brooklynopsis. Oh. <laughs> okay, I bumped it. What are you going to do? Um, Brooklynopsis. Wait, that too, right? Brooklynopsis. Brooklopsis. Hannah's Irish, so she wears green coats and aprons. She gets bored during the credits, so Susan Sarandon scowls at her. <laughs> A word's all Brooklopsis. I look over at James Joyce and go, I think human culture used the term modernist too early, and we just need to start over term wise. He looks at me, laughs, and goes, Podcast. <laughs> Hannah's job is to write things down in a general store during the 1900s while people get turned down for trying to buy soap there without adhering to the dress code. (laughs) Which part of the 1900s is unclear? Beside me, Princess General Leah stands up and proudly (laughs) announces to our theater. (laughs) But I'm guessing 81. One side of her lip curves slightly upwards in a smile, I think. Meanwhile, in the general store, Hannah's colleague gift wraps a slice of bread while a giant crowd gathers to watch. The rich people are all wearing black and standing to the side. It's like a turn-of-the-century Oscars boycott. The old woman who runs the joint tells a customer in Irish who wants shoe polish that they don't sell it on Sunday, only rashers. Hannah's expression is all, It sure sucks I was born during this era. She quits her job by telling her boss she's going to America, so her boss fires her. That night at dinner, her mom's all. Be careful now. I hear America's very different from Ireland. It's warmer there in the summers and colder in the winters. And her sister exchanged Irish looks that are all, here she goes again. (laughs) She goes to a party to watch her friend dance. Then she goes home to look at a box of clothes with her mom. The mom says something like, pity we can't pack the future in here. Some Irish happens. All of Dublin shows up at the pier, crying and waving in slow motion because they're all supposed to be on the boat, too. On the ship, she makes a blonde friend who breaks up with her for not smoking. (laughs) In desperation for something dumb not to happen. She goes to the galley and tries to eat a bowl of can opener, but Adam Scott's her waiter. (laughs) 
Off goes that bowl. Whisk. She tries to find a restroom to fart in while a banjo plays till the blonde woman comes in, breaks the doorknob, and giggles, fuck off to a woman out in the hallway till soundtrack plays. After all that, they leave their stateroom anyway so they can go enjoy the sight of a railing. <laughs> Hannah's all, how long's a postcard take to write? The blonde friend's all, forever, instantly. They talk about makeup, so she'll be ready for immigration questions about it. The blonde woman dies off screen, then comes back as a ghost and tells Hannah telepathically in line at the immigration desk, think like an American. Hannah complies and stares at the immigration official, thinking nothing while he stamps the word Irish on her driver's license and goes, welcome to something. Another dinner with boardhouse women happens. The next day, she gets a job at the message tube store. In the locker room, another girl tells her how the quiet earth ends. <laughs> that part seemed anachronistic to me, by the way. <laughs> and Princess Inga. Glad she came to Germany. She gets in trouble for not misunderstanding her boss's sign language, then for wearing panties. Her mom writes her that the bread situation back home has grown complex. A kindly priest who's never met her before and knows only that she's crying enters the kitchen and tells her he just got her a job as a student. Her night class teacher writes on the chalkboard, the whole economic basis of our society is gibberish. Hang on, let me underline society. Now then, here are your final exams. She and a pointy, tall, pale fellow roll their eyes and walk out into the hallway. The fellow's all, Jesus, what the fuck is bookkeeping? She looks at the window behind him and starts crying smilingly. An old woman tells her to move into her basement. Another dinner happens. After some talking, the old woman says something like, you can have fun without alcohol. All the girls look around at each other awkwardly. They're expressionless. <laughs> I hate reading. Their expressions silently agree. Might be too late to save Mrs. McConaughey here. <laughs> Mrs. McConaughey makes Hannah go to a dance with a different blonde friend. Hannah gets sick of her and goes to hang out with a third blonde woman who's all, Come with us. They go into the men's room and do girl stuff. The blonde girl's all, See, my hair's blonde, but my eyebrows are brunette, just like Cara Delphine's. It's a miracle product. I call it lipstick. She meets a handsomely retarded plumber. <laughs> they both laugh at the sight of her blonde friend sitting alone. <laughs> I'd love to see that on his online dating profile. <laughs> well, he's handsome. That night, after all the girls laughed for getting laid... Mrs. McConaughey's all, God damn you lasses, a giddy girl's the eighth sin, tied with slothful manhoods. The girls all snort and fart mischievously. The plumber takes in a, quote, New York a stagecoach ride over there, capiche? <laughs> Her friends teach her how to use silverware in front of Italians. She goes to meet the plumber's parents. All they eat is spaghetti. Spike Lee leans over to me and mumbles, finally a non-stereotype. The plumber's 10-year-old brother comically tells Hannah that her people suck, then apologizes after his dad beats him. <laughs> the next night, the plumber meets her in the middle of a busy intersection. 
As cars angrily honk and run over their feet, he's all, Hey, yo, I let an old woman drown in sewage just so as I could come out here and meet you. What's the emergency you's talking about or whatever? She's all, Well, I just wanted you to know that I've been thinking about it. And when you told me you loved me a few weeks ago, I still don't know what my answer is right now. Not that it was a question. Do you know what I mean? He's all, wait, when did I ever say I loved yous? She's all, look, whatever you said, it, anything's not important right now. What is important is that I may have changed my mind about things and Ireland. And on the I love you issue, I wish to take back home what me call. <laughs> it's too hard. Is what she said? Uh, and on the I love you issue, I wish to take what back home we call a mulligan. <laughs> Appreciate that, Dingus. Thank you. <laughs> I look over at Braveheart and go, <laughs> People are dumb. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, the person I'm looking at when I say I love you, assume I'm talking to them. That night at dinner, an old woman raises his hand as bookkeeping final proudly, so the D minus is visible and goes, This be the first time in the history of Mrs. McConaughey's flop house for fallen women that a resident has ever taken an exam. All the girls clap dutifully. The stalker chanting of the bunch is all It's a way you Tony fucking tonight. And it's all Coney Reister Island, I wasn't listening. The girls all giggle and blush. The old woman's all, just make sure your bra's brown or it'll get him off. She angrily slices some bread crust. Han and the plumber go to the beach where he immediately embarrasses her. <laughs> Idiot. In Ireland, Hannah's sister reads Hannah's latest letter and slumps over, dying of disinterest. <laughs> kind of simplifying a little. Instead of notifying her of this tragedy directly, her mom lets her know by having the priest, an undertaker with a shovel, and her boss all walk towards her at work in slow motion. <laughs> music plays. <laughs> As they approach in slow motion, the priest slowly draws a gun. The priest is... <laughs> the priest is all, your sister will probably watch over you for the rest of your life. A phone rings. The priest gestures irritably with the gun till Hannah answers it. To celebrate the phone ringing, the plumber takes her to a field. He shows her a sinkhole and goes... <laughs> Uh, someday when I'm a famous plumber, I'm going to build five houses on top of each other right here and then trade them all in for a red hotel. Between that and free parking, that will be almost 60 bucks a month. What do you think? Hannah's all, I don't need to think about anything. What's it done for me lately? He suggests they get married. She's all, I got a better idea. They have sex. Afterwards, she's all. Are we going to tell our children we did this? He's all, uh, I think they'll figure it out eventually. After we tell them. 
they go to a train station and feign interest in some other Irish guy's kid for a minute. <laughs> Didn't understand that. Hannah wears appropriately radiant Rebecca Ferguson yellow to her sister's funeral. Everyone in Ireland conspires to make her assume her sister's old job, no matter how many minutes in which her return voyage leaves. An Irish beachcomber tells her someone named a bowling trophy after her dead sister. They start dating. Back in Brooklyn, her BF mate... (laughs) It's almost over, thank God. Back in Brooklyn... Her BF shows the lovably racist eight-year-old brother his love letters and solicits his vastly more experienced counsel. The eight-year-old peruses the letter and goes, Oh, you misspelled the number eight, dumbass. Also, all you wrote is your lover and possible husband, the plumber. The plumber's all, Yeah, I was thinking maybe you could improve on it since you know more about goils. The eight-year-old sighs, picks up a crayon and scrawls, My brother still wants to sleep with you for some reason. (laughs) Then he farts on the envelope and shows his brother how to use a mailbox. In Ireland, Hannah receives a letter, sees the return address, sniffs it, wrinkles her nose, and stashes it in her junk drawer along with all the rest. Hannah eventually realizes her genealogy is meaningless by remembering the title of the movie, and also by getting blackmailed by the snobby old woman who doesn't sell bread to the poor on Sundays. She's discovered Hannah had sex with a leading man. Hannah's applause line is something like, Mrs. Scrimshaw, do you even have a blackmail a mountain mind? The old woman stammers, then lowers her head in shame. Hannah goes home and breaks up with her mom, whose touching response is something like, Well, I hate long goodbyes. Your suitcase and clothes are out in the street. Not packed. On the ferry back to Brooklyn, a younger Hannah comes up to her wearing the same clothes and goes, You must be going to Brooklyn. I'm Irish. Any tips? Hannah's all, fuck off. And she's all, but also, when you're in line, remember to think like an American. Always tip your hat to the trash can and tell the immigration officer you're Welsh and a wig maker. And when you're standing on the pier, make a wish and punch someone. Then throw your duck bag into the ocean and start a fire. Most of all, never forget to scream. The girl looks up at her and starts crying with apathy. I look down at my left foot on the head of the guy sitting in front of me and go, is this me or Irish romance movies always annoying? The guy's all far and away. The end. Proclopsis? The advice was awesome. Is Tom there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm ho- I'm hoping one of you guys like this. I don't. Ha- I wonder. What? Good. That's finally. All right. So Kelly, one. You liked it. Tell us what you thought of of uh, uh, Brooklyn. No, I didn't like it. Oh, Dingus, did you like Brooklyn? I, I liked parts of it, but ultimately, no. <sighs> I don't. I don't understand what the fuss is. But there's there's stuff here that is really valuable. I think. No, there isn't. Yeah, there is. There's a bunch of stuff here that's oh. valuable that I really loved. I think I slept um, through those parts. Okay, good. But, so, but ultimately, I think it falls apart. Wow, I didn't even think it ever came together. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I just, I just was so not into this. Um, oh, it, it just was so formulaic to me, and yeah, the, the dramatic 
tension just wasn't there, and it came so late in the movie, and they just didn't give Saoirse Ronan enough to do, I thought, and it just was really... I don't know, there were some cute parts, but I just... I felt like I was watching something that's on BBC TV, like an hour-long... Well, not Lifetime, because it's very British. Um, but whatever the British equivalent is of Lifetime, I just felt like... Um, so, Dingus, all right, so what, what parts... Did Tribed, you artificial, Lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Dingus, what parts did you think were valuable? Like, what worked for you? Let's let, let's hear, have someone say some good things about this thing. Well, I love her character. I absolutely love um, Ailish. Uh, I, I like um, I like how competent she is and how she finds her competence and how she works her way through it. And I agree, it is uh, extremely formulaic. Um, uh, you know, I really liked actually the boarding house uh, scenes or the di- both dinner table scenes, not. Both different settings of the dinner table scenes. I like the dinner table scenes in the boarding house because I think that the boarding house uh, matron uh, isn't like that normal "I'm going to crack the whip" kind of a woman who's just utterly uh, terrible and and just evil. Did you uh, know who that was though when you were watching it? Because I didn't until I looked it up. No, I had no idea. Yeah, she's. Uh, I mean, I still don't care. Julia Walters. Yeah. Oh, uh, she's fine. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, she's playing but, Maggie Smith. But no, but I, I like that that she actually cares about who's doing what to whom, and um, and that she changes that sort of when when the bathing suit thing, or as they call it, a costume, which is another thing I liked about this movie. That the, the little like uh, things like costume equals bathing suit. Uh, I like how she said, "Yeah, they're right. You better get that. You better get the your costume right." And how she gives her the why she gives her the room and the, just the the basic way that the the dinner table things at the boarding house went. And I also really really liked that scene with uh, with Tony's parents. That it could have been a really <laughs> ugly scene, but I liked the way it worked out. It was unexpected. It was it wasn't at all um, dramatic. I mean, I'm not going to say it was a dramatic scene <laughs> um, when that little kid, you know, has to be taken out of the room and then come back and say he's a stupid idiot. Um, a rude, rude, stupid idiot. A rude, a rude yeah, idiot. Get it right. Yeah. Get it right, Dingus. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the way that, that played out and how, and particularly how Ailish or how Saoirse Ronan gets to play the scene where, you know, he says, we don't like Irish people. And she she just looks right at him and says, well, why not? I mean, it, it, it's not this sort of like, oh, I'm going to be crushed by what you just said to me kind of a scene. Uh, I, I, there were a couple of unexpected moments like that that I really liked. What I, what I ultimately can't stand about this movie is that uh, you've got this competent woman who is making uh, a world for herself. And it, it, ultimately, I think it's a movie about what home is. And instead, it becomes a movie about, oh, I'm going to choose between this doofus or that doofus. And I whoa, hate- whoa, whoa, whoa. Donald Gleason was a Donald Gleason was a doofus. Yeah, he's a guy who works in a bar who inherits no. his parents' home. No, I wanted her to be with him. I thought, oh, as a matter of fact, it kind of came alive for me when he was on. Because I was like, oh, I love this guy. Let's see some cool stuff happen now. You know, I kind of like that he, you know, that he's kind of enlightened and he's into her and he actually means well and he he puts on a different jacket and does his hair differently. And then she does. <laughs> well, both guys have those kind of qualities. Oh, that, I couldn't stand that. Very- they're both different. careful and, and loving and, and sensitive to her. I mean, they're they're different kind of guys than we expect in this, this period of movie, so I kind of like that. But I don't want it to be a movie about her deciding which 
which guy she's going to choose. I mean, that's what it's it was, about what her home yeah. is. Like right, but you're saying that's what it was, which I think it, it, it definitely was. Like, that's kind of – that became – so at, at a point in the movie, that's why it's it introduces uh, – the biggest crisis at a certain point in the movie is a bookkeeping crisis. It's like, okay, dramatic – here's some drama. And it, it, it shifts from that. Like, after the bookkeeping crisis, you then realize, oh, there's going to be a crisis about which dude is she going to choose. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, if she had, I thought it was going to be something about how she was, you know, racked with guilt, but chose Donald Gleason, Donald Gleason anyway. Um, I thought, I mean, maybe it's just because I really liked him in, in Star Wars and in The Revenant. I just loved seeing him looking all clean cut and doing his, his little fake Irish accent because he is Australian, as everyone knows. Uh, and I loved too, um, that, that, uh, you know, when there's a there's a scene at the wedding. Um, they've been really trying to like make Sir Ronan look plain throughout most of the movie. But there's a there's a scene where the two of them are at the wedding, and it's just a two shot of them. They look like freaking movie stars. Like they look yeah. amazing. And I was like, whoa! I mean, Kelly, I think it was you, Kelly, said this is Hollywood. That was like this super Hollywood. Like, oh my god, they look like they'd be in some awesome fifties movie. Um, so. Uh, yeah, it's I, I, that's what it is. That's what's right, right, right. Exactly. Well, but the, the thing is, it didn't really look like that up to now. They're trying to make her look drab, and it's kind of understated a lot of stuff. And and like Dingus is saying, the um, you know, showing these sensitive, caring men, uh, that's kind of atypical. Um, so when they suddenly look super glamorous, I was like, oh yeah, I hope she goes for that. That's where she looks great. That's where she belongs. Well, they didn't. They didn't really give Ireland a fair crack at. Like it should be a, it, this, the deck's so stacked for Brooklyn. Like it's really boring yeah, yeah. that there, there isn't any conflict. Like they could have made Ireland awesome, and like that's she's drawn to both for different reasons. Well, I disagree also, with that. I think that 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 sequence when she's back, and especially when she goes to the beach, and yeah, she, she says, "I've forgotten this." I mean, I think she's falling back in love. I mean. She's gone through this period of, of homesickness, and then she's gone back home. I mean, she's transferred what, what home means to a new world. I mean, th- this movie is very much about what is home, what does home mean. And then when she goes out to the beach, that's so well contrasted, all of that. It's, it gets a little corny with the bathing suit changing, which I kind of liked, actually. But that, that empty beach, as opposed to what Coney Island looks at, looks like. And her feeling of, oh, I forgot this. I forgot this. I mean, I love that. I mean, I think that really does sell that beauty of, of Ireland. And, and mm. Did you miss that? I mean, I mean, I, I really kind of... I guess I missed that, because I just got this sense that her home sucked, and... She, that it was kind of a backwater. Like, that's kind of what I took from yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like and she was remembering, and she thought, oh, what a shithole. I'm glad I've never come back. Well, I wouldn't necessarily no, no, say not at the, it, not at the S- beach. At the beach, I think she's like, oh, I forgot this. You know, I went to the beach in Brooklyn, and Man, there's this isn't crowded and crappy like that place. I mean, or Coney Island, I should say, not Brooklyn. At the beach, at one, at the beach at one point, I think she's talking to Donald Gleason, or someone said something. Uh, where I was like, oh, that that should be the tagline of the movie. Someone said something about, uh, like, she said she liked it here because it was uh, calm, charming, and civilized, or something. And I right. thought that that was the movie right there in a nutshell. <laughs> it was just. Calm, charming, and civilized, almost to a fault. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, okay, here, I wish that there had been mo- news crawls in this movie for me to pay attention to, because I was looking for, okay, what things can I watch for? There wasn't really much, but here's where the movie came alive for me, and where I laughed out loud, 
and was so amused at myself and at what I was thinking at this point. When it cuts to the blonde girl at the dining, the new weird one, yeah. I was immediately like, if Kelly Wand was a chicken movie, that's who he would play. <laughs> what? Yeah, you were totally that crazy blonde girl. Yep. How? Please, you didn't think that to yourself? Like you didn't identify with her, Kelly Wand? The eyebrow lady? No, not the, oh, the one. The one she leaves at the table. Yeah, the goofy one with the with the weird eyes who they're trying to get away from. Right, where she looks, where she's like, um, I'm going to leave with you. I will agree to do that, and here's why. Is that girl sitting over there? Yeah, come on, Kelly Wand. You didn't immediately think that's me. Which one am I? Oh. One sitting over there. How did you miss that? Because it's a beautiful edit, by the way. It's a yeah. great edit to. So far, there've been all these hotties like from 1952 Brooklyn. I was like, man, this, everybody's hot there. And then it cuts to the crazy, frizzy-haired, wild-eyed chick. Right. Who, even by the way, even her <laughs> acting style was completely different from everyone else. It really was. Uh, and it's so such I a am weird thing because you think that oh. Uh, Ailish is being so kind to go with this girl to the dance, and then she's just going to ditch her because she's just an awful person. But so at that point, Kelly Wand, I, I can't believe you didn't see that and immediately think, that's me, that you didn't like resonate with her and zero in on that character. Because that's what I thought. It's like, there's Kelly Wand. If, if Kelly Wand was a woman in a movie, that would be Kelly Wand. So then I figured Dingus was the, the sassy brunette, not the divorcee, not the, that one. Dingus, you were the sassy brunette who was kind of like the sidekick to the alpha female blonde chick. All right. Who's kind of got that like, dusky beauty. Like, you were her. Uh, and then I had to figure out who I was. And I... So I'm helping uh, her figure out what swim or costume she's going to wear to the beach. The Yes, was that... No, no, that was her boss. That was uh, her, her boss. boss encourages them to do so. That. Many great oh, characters. Maybe they put makeup on her. I guess right. They put makeup on her. Her boss like squeezes her butt and is like, "Yeah, nice. You got it going on." Um, but wow. you're the you're the dusty yeah. blonde, the, the the brunette. Um, Still not hot. And then I'm like, okay, well, who am I going to be? And I had to think about it and sit through a few more scenes before I realized, oh, I'm Mrs. Keel. Oh. Because I, I sort of I sort of run things, I sort of keep the discussion going, and I I steer us away. Plumber, so, you're the Irish guy because you're Harvard, and I steer us away from certain topics. I'm like, you know, no politics on the podcast. Um, Kelly Wand, easy on the scatological talk. We don't do that here. And I'll, you know, I'll change topics. <laughs> okay, that. now we're going to talk about such and such. So actually, so Dingus, I did lo- like those dinner scenes a lot, and and to be perfectly honest, Dingus. If this movie had just been all about those dinner scenes and those girls, I would have been a lot more into it. Yeah. Because once it did that, oh, do I love Tony or do I love Donald? Like, once it did that little thing, I was just like, oh, God. You well, think everyone's giggling at you secretly? Because you're right about that part. Shoot. I knew there was something in there I could have learned. That well, just because you're getting things mixed up like she did. <laughs> she didn't um, Yeah. So. Do, do you think there's I any heat between her and either one of those two guys? Well, I, there's heat between me and Donald Gleason. I'll tell you that much. So no. there was some heat there. Uh, I, I really didn't like that Tony guy, and I don't. I, I think it was. I think the actor was just so generically heartthrobby. Um, yeah, another it, handsome construction guy. And it, like it, it's. It seemed like, and maybe this is authentic, and maybe they researched it, and they he played it well, but it just seemed really. Like a kind of an exaggerated caricature at times. 
So I, I don't know. It just it, he did. So not only things did I not feel. Tommy that he, loves baseball. It's he, he's a little fleshed out. I don't know what that is, um, but I just didn't. I didn't respond to his character or the actor at all. So yeah. how did you feel, Dingus? Because I wanted to know. I was like, I wonder if they're going to like this guy, this Tony guy. Because he's – I could see some people really being into what he was doing and thinking that he's got a cool look to him. And I kept trying to think, what actors do you remind me of? I couldn't figure it out. But yeah. he didn't work for me ultimately at all. What, what about you? Wait, characters in the movie thought that about him or people in real life? Well, no, I thought that about him because I was looking at the uh, – Emery Cohen's his name. I, was, I hadn't seen him in anything. But he at times I was like – who does he remind me of? Like, does he have a – is it a Johnny Depp thing or is it a Val Kilmer thing? I couldn't figure it out. Like, he would have certain expressions on his face and – Dingus, did that – did he – like, did you look at him and ever think, oh, he's like X, Y, or Z? N- not really, no. Okay. I mean, he was kind of a – he was kind of vacant. I mean, uh, but mainly – I mean, I mean, there's a little bit of uh, Andy Garcia in um, one of the Godfather movies when he's like a, like a young – Oh. Maybe it's Godfather 3. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that, yeah. I but, can see that. But he's just there's, and but he's kind of uh, both of the guys are kind of I don't know what uh, what like Gary Marshall guys are. They're, oh, they're just, ouch! <laughs> they're, Literally test. I just don't believe. Uh, I mean, I, I I like I like the idea of this of, of this guy who's so sensitive and nice, and both of them she happens to find two two guys are sensitive and nice. Um, and he's looking to pretend that he doesn't like baseball and he's not going to talk about his mom just for her. I mean, there's something lovely about that, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it for this yeah. time period. And, and furthermore, I don't care. I mean, and, and what's more, and I don't know if this is on purpose because he doesn't pop at all. He's not, he's, I mean, he doesn't, he's not a bad actor. He just doesn't pop. He doesn't come out. He's not, you know, there's no heat between them, but maybe that's on purpose because, for me, again, the least interesting thing is who is who, which guy is she going to choose? I could not care less. I wouldn't. I would like to see her. I mean, one of the things I loved was that Long Island scene because, oh, one of the people in this relationship, she's kind of choosing this relationship. He's saying, uh, you know, you're going to build this business with me, and the most interesting things about her are not which guy she's going to choose, is what she's going to do with her life, and what home she's going to choose and if she's going to build a home for herself here or if she's going to build a home for herself in ireland i mean that's what i love about her i couldn't care less whether she goes with donald gleason or that other guy i kind of thought dingus that we were going to end up seeing a movie especially when he says i love you and she doesn't know what to do that and she eventually decides to tell him okay i guess i love you too i kind of thought we were going to see a movie about how a, a woman in 1952, and especially an immigrant, yeah. really just doesn't have much control over her life. Um, you know, I love this. I like the scene a lot, by the way, when she talked to the divorcee. Yeah, she, me too. That, that by the way, um, th- that next to seeing Kelly Wand appear in female form, that was my favorite scene in the movie, is her sort of explaining, you know, asking would you re- get remarried, and her sort of basically laying out the plight of women in 1952. Right. Um, and so I thought we were then going to see her like we were going to see a tragedy about her being crushed under that like that would be like a Todd Haynes movie like like Far From Heaven with Julianne ah. Moore for instance oh my gosh um, that's a much better example of that that's a yeah. great but what I was nervous about was that the one time they had sex was going to be that cliche of oh now she's pregnant right right to do right. yeah and I was worried too it did avoid that I was worried too that we were going to find out that Tony was abusive and was going to like hit her at some point and I was glad it didn't do that but right uh, so in, in a way, not only it, it kind of avoided cliches, but it also avoided introducing any 
dramatic yeah, nothing happened. Yeah, there's no dramatic tension that I really resonated with in the, in the act of avoiding these cliches. So it was formulaic, except for the fact that it didn't use the formulaic crisis, I guess. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's like they're not bad themes for a movie, but it was poorly. It's like lame execution. And she only goes to Ireland like in the last twenty minutes of the movie. Like it just a little more. And that too is why I was like, oh my god, we're gonna oh, like Donald Gleason's gonna come on until that late in the movie. I mean, we're like it's a super rush job courtship. Right, exactly. Like if this movie's gonna be, it's gonna do that thing about oh, which boy do I choose? At least right. bring the two boys in sooner. Yeah, give them a chance. Jeez. <laughs> Let us get to know them. Right. Well, yeah. you know, I, she doesn't have a fixed. problem with that, but with the timing per chance, because it. Perhaps it's, it's, it's kind of very summer campy. It's it's I've gone back home for a couple of months. And, yeah, fair enough. Sure, sure. But then that's your third act is summer camp. It she's should not be texting like, every oh, day either. Yeah. It's it's letters that take weeks to get there that she doesn't want to look at because she's mm. living. Because she, again, I think this is a movie. You know what she was what are you deciding is going to be home? But we know because the movie's called Brooklyn, so it's boring. Well, not necessarily. Really I mean, that, that was actually the most interesting part of the movie for me was wondering if she's going to go back there and why did they name it that if not? <laughs> right, right, sure. Uh, you thought it would get a, it was going to be a tricky title. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Let me go ahead and give you guys my over because while we're while we're talking about Todd Haynes, he did a movie this year or last year called Carol, um, which has either of you seen Carol? Because I don't want to ruin things if you haven't. So Carol is uh, – and Carrie Wanda, I don't know if you knew this. I think if you knew Patricia this – Patricia Highsmith. Yeah. I didn't know it was based on a Patricia huh? Highsmith novel. Yeah. It's one of the few I haven't read. She's one of my favorite writers, but I, I haven't read it because I know it's – it sounds too upbeat and mm, – No. I mean they, they don't uh, – I don't know about the novel, but the movie is definitely – it's Todd Haynes. So it's, it's, it's very much about the plight of women in 1952. Like it does what I thought Brooklyn might do. Um, it doesn't sound murdery enough. But I should check it out. Price of Salt. Because I also didn't know that it was Patricia Highsmith. As I'm watching it, it like knowing that it's a, from a Patricia Highsmith novel is kind of a spoiler. Like you yeah. know, at some point, this is going to do like some sort of down. exactly right. Um, and you She's know, like Tarantino. being a Todd Haynes movie, the production values on like in Brooklyn, that part when they're at the railing of the ship. I don't know if that was like that. Really, just looked so soundstagey to me. Oh my god, it, that was unbelievably yeah. bad. That yeah, was unbelievably mm. bad. And and even none of the production. There are a couple of street scenes where you know they rented a car, but it just really didn't seem to have much by way of production value. Which, yeah. again, after having seen Carol, you know Todd Haynes does consider like Far from Heaven. You wouldn't know just from hearing that it's about a housewife in the fifties. But right. what an amazingly lush, gorgeous movie. Um, Wait, and, so you don't think that? That the Ireland stuff looks good because, like, we have a, we have a listener named Samuel Paulson who was talking about how the how the way Ireland looks just takes on this amazing beauty. And this this guy said that um, that I I think he said that this movie was narrowly beat out by Inside Out for the number one movie of the year, and he just says that it has such an extraordinary beauty in Ireland. Did you not even see? Think that? Uh, Kelly Wan, can you get Samuel Paulson on the line? Because I really, I want to hear from him. I want to hear somebody who really liked this movie. Yeah, I want to hear from the ninety-eight percent. Right, right. It's doing so well. Um, you know what? No, Dingus. Like, I didn't really get a, a sense of any. I don't think John Crowley really knows how to shoot locations very well. Um, you know, actually, you be right because other than the the car wreck thing in Boyer, I don't know that. 
I don't know. Maybe you're right about that. I mean, he knows how to, you know, he he, he does okay with actors. It takes a lot to fuck up Ireland. It kind of does. And I, I would like to know, like, what bits Samuel thought looked good because – Well, I, I think the beach, the, that beach stuff is a great contrast to Coney Island. I mean, I think that's gorgeous. Did you notice, though, how – and this bothers me. Like, all the Coney Island stuff was pretty tightly – like uh, you can always tell, okay, they only had so many extras, so they can't uh, pull the camera back so far. Like I was just, and again, it's because I'm not into a movie. I'll, those things will not bug me, but I will notice them. Whereas if I was lost, liking the movie, and I would lose myself in it more, that stuff wouldn't bother me. So the Coney Island, I'm like, yeah, well, it's that's supposed the point. to be right. It's but the wrong kind of shot for that for what they're trying to convey. Right, they have to do it economically. Like this just didn't have the kind of budget that I that I suspect Todd Haynes had with with Carol. Um, oh, okay. Where Carol does some just beautiful – Carol, by the way, has some great department store scenes. Um, oh, that's a good point actually. Uh, and, and Carol, by the way, super sexy and hot. Uh, like, like, like Carol has – I mean you guys know how good Kate Blanchett is, but one of the sexiest – like the hottest, sexiest things of last year was Carol was, – was Kate Blanchett giving someone a glance. Uh, and you can just kind of imagine how good she is, but there's this super hot moment early in the movie where she's walking away and she just gives someone a glance, and you're like, "Oh man, that's like liquid sex. That was beautiful." Um, and you oh talk about you talk about heat. There's just like a lot. Even though I wasn't crazy about Carol, there's just a lot of heat in it, and the two actresses are really good, yeah. and it's this great presentation, like Todd Haynes does, of what it was like to be a woman and dealing with being a woman in 1952. Um, but. It- the, 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 some women I love the expressions in the early part of this movie and and throughout maybe that's just because Saoirse Ronan is so good um and and these are this has nothing to do with heat but but the the expressions the, the things that she was conveying on her face suppose, right right yeah to what she was saying especially in the early part of the movie in that dinner table with Rose and her mother when they're talking about when you're going you know the right. next time you come back and it's clear that what they're saying is not what they mean and it's it's very clear from their faces you know that it, it, oh and the, and, the, and there's this moment deck on it um i think chris markinson wrote in with this thing about the, the dance at the beginning and and what she looked and and this and this focus on her face where where her face her the expression on her face goes from happy to unhappy and the way Saoirse ronan uh, conveys that i think that the the facial expressions in this movie across the board are, are really pretty great they're not heat oriented the way you're talking about with Carol Tom. Um, but I think it, it really does understand, have an understanding of the things that people say as opposed to the things that they mean. And do you, would you apply that to Emory Cohen too? No, I think he's pretty simple. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, there, there are like the Sheila bit too. And that was also what part of what made the, the girls, the Mrs. Keough's boarding house dinner scene so good. Ah, uh, good. Is they're just expressive women and they're good actresses. And right. we're getting to see them, you know, look at each other and give each other glances because I can't say certain things. And yeah, so that was right. And, and you're right, Dingus. Uh, Saoirse Ronan just really is good, and it's nice. You know, watching her underplay stuff is is great. Uh, I love the bit where her colleague at the department store tells her she saw the Quiet Man, and she doesn't. <laughs> she's too timid to bite, and the girl sort of takes her to task, and. She just kind of nods politely and says, thank you. Like, that was right. a great little moment when you right. see – it's like a little character development. Like, 
she doesn't quite know how to comport herself around people who are being super overtly friendly and very American, and that was that was really adorable. Um, so my over was Carol. What overs did you guys have for this, Kelly Wand? What was your over for Brooklyn? What's a movie you liked better? Uh, I like the movie Avalon because that's about how television ruined Ellis Island for everybody. I don't know if you saw that. Is that a Barry Levinson <laughs> thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's part of his Baltimore quote-unquote trilogy. Ah, okay. Aiden Quinn. And then um, the old man's that Armin Mueller-Stahl guy. Sure, yeah. Armin Mueller-Stahl guy. <laughs> the yeah, family traditions to get her together for dinner and hear him go and this guy had really big shoes at Ellis Island like the big shoe story is like the kids all grow up having to hear that every year maybe you need to save that for the 3x3 Kelly one perhaps yeah Dingus Um, what's what's your over what's a movie you liked better than Brooklyn alright my over is a movie called Return of the Jedi what Dingus no yes what are you doing Uh, here Dingus what are you you're pulling a Kelly wand (laughs) who's the immigrant in that Chewbacca no, the reason I, re- I choose Return of the Jedi is because I think there's an awesome, interesting story that we can learn about Princess Leia. And I am so sorry that I brought this up because now Kelly One's going to do that voice that I can't stand. That's a terrible voice. And so I'm a filibustering so he doesn't do it. Um, but instead of having an interesting story about this princess who is a strong woman. Oh, my God. Stolen these plans. Now it's it's about her choosing between two dudes, one of whom. Really? Someone gets it. <laughs> turns out to be about her choosing between two dudes. And she's just being rescued all the time, and and that's just I think tiresome. Yep. And one of the things I hate about this movie is that the, the interesting character, this really cool character who's really making her way in this country, um, it, it, it just devolves into this. Well, which guy am I going to choose? Me. I love that you accuse it of being of being the the two dudes as being very Gary Marshall because that does that pretty much says it all for me. Dingus, yeah. Uh, Kelly, on the from Alderaan, I had to learn how to think like the Coruscantans. So another girl gave me advice when I was throwing up in the state room. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, Wong, what's your under? What's my, actually, Dingus, you go next. What What is a movie that you didn't like as much as Brooklyn? All right, it's a movie called uh, In America. Oh, I haven't even seen that. It's Samantha Morton and J- Juman Hansu, that one? Yeah, Juman Hansu and oh, – oh, what's the guy from PU um, – Oh, Patty uh, uh, Considine, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's in it too, and it's just it's just this painful. Like it, the reason I don't like it is it, it it devolves into this magical black friend thing, um, and I really couldn't stand the movie. It was just one of those. Uh, but it was the reason I choose it is because it's an immigrant story, right. a difficult immigrant immigrant story, but it's rescued by this by Jamin Hansu. Isn't it like Alan Parker or someone? Like, it is absolutely yeah. yeah. Okay. Does it at least look good? Uh, yeah, it looks good. They're in this broken down building. It's pretty, and the production design is great. Samantha Morton is—I uh, mean, it, they're all good actors. It's just I couldn't—I just didn't want to sit. I didn't want to sit with the story. And it's a period I, piece as well, right? Like absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, and I, I wanted to stay with Ailish. I wanted to find out what she was going to do. I mean, she was an interesting person, and I and she was a character that I would have liked to stay with. I didn't want to stay with this poor family stumbling about in this horrible tenement, and this magical black friend comes along. Right. I didn't want that. Kelly, what's a movie that you didn't like as much as Brooklyn? Uh, my brackets were in Irish immigration, non-mafia movies. All so, 
Avalon is over, right? What, what, are, what have you situated underneath? Under was situated underneath me was Coyote Ugly. Wow. <laughs> Bingus, you've been out Kelly wanded. That's awesome. I thought I, I totally thought I would beat you. Can't wait to hear this. I hope it's not a problem you have with Piper Parabell, Kelly Wand. Hmm. <laughs> like Isabel Amico. Yeah, I was going to say, who in the other chat? I've never seen Coyote Ugly. Who else is Rich in it? Moynihan and um, yeah. Maria Bellows, the den mother of the group. Did you say Any Marina time? Bello? Maria Bello? I think you got her name right. Yeah, okay. I would. So I, I tend to think of Maria Bello as a poor man's Piper Parabell. What? Yeah, true. How? Are you serious? Come on, really? Poor man's? Yeah. They're she's... totally different. You can you can't you don't need to pick one. Mm, okay. I put them in the same category and I just think Piper Parabo is better in every way. Maria Bello just says T V actress to me. Does that mean She's yeah, getting she was on uh, ER or something, wasn't she? But maybe that's why in that that Viggo Mortensen um Cronenberg movie. Who's that? Uh, uh 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 the Eastern Promise? No, not Eastern Promises. History of Violence. History, oh, History of Violence. It's a Maria Bello. Yep, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Right. Assault on Precinct 13. She's good in. No, she's, she's, nobody's good in that, Kelly. She's Lyle. so good no, in, she's in really History good of Violence. So, so that's not. I mean, I understand why you're saying that because we have a history of with Piper Perabo and uh, Carriers, I guess. Yeah, but okay. You know what? I'd like to see you guys uh, show me a movie where Maria Bello mountain climbs like Piper Perabo. Does in that uh, mountain climbing monster movie, which I forget, under under descent. What the heck was that called? Under descent sounds like an awesome movie. Did you? By the way, did you recognize the descent actress, Kelly Wan? The the first chick to die in descent. Did you recognize her in this movie? No. Oh, so the one who plays uh, the dumbass? No, the divorcee, Sheila. She is the one who breaks her leg and gets oh, dragged right. off by the bat creatures. She's one of the chicks in in the descent. Um, wow. I didn't. Really, I just totally recognized her face, and when I looked her up, I was like, "Oh yeah, she's the first one to go in the descent." Nice recent credit. Holy cats! Uh, all right, so uh, Kelly Wan, yeah, explain. Have you explained to us why Coyote Ugly is your under <clears throat> derailed by Piper Parabell? Uh That's Sershay Ronan's a period piece. I wouldn't mind showing my shillelagh. One, two, three. Not only you and me got one eighty degrees. Uh, I'm caught between what was your undertone? Oh, my under was uh oh, I didn't say this. Closed Circuit, the other uh John right. Crowley movie. Because Closed Circuit didn't have any I I enjoy watching uh Saoirse Ronan act a lot. Closed Circuit didn't have anything like that for me. I couldn't even tell you the first thing about that movie. It's gone in one ear and out the other. Is that uh, the one about the legal case? Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like lawyers in Germany like a, or something. I seem to recall. Yeah, he and seems to resist having things happen in his movie. It's beautiful, Kelly Wallace. Just his bottleneck. And I do really appreciate any movie that gives me the quote. You know, do you try to wear panties every day? So yeah, with that, the emphasis on try is so important. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's do a three by. So here's another thing. So, Kelly, when you made a very salacious, lascivious comment about Sir Sharonin, um, I, I don't know if this. I'm sure it happens to you guys. Maybe not you, Kelly Wand, but there are certain actresses that 
I just feel way too paternal towards to think they're hot. Um, and I just can't find – I don't find any – she's a beautiful woman, but I just feel like I watched her grow up like with Hannah and that vampire movie. And I can't agree with you. <laughs> I, she has she has no sexual appeal for me whatsoever, and not because she's not pretty. She's an incredibly beautiful girl. When, when uh, John Crowley gets the camera close to her and you can see those blue eyes, mm-hmm. she just has beautiful eyes, but – it would just be – I just couldn't imagine like – Yeah, I, just, I feel weird just, about it. Yeah, I agree with you on her and I agree with uh, Chloe Grace Moritz too. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, she's gorgeous in this. I mean, she's incredibly beautiful in this. Um, but I'm with you, Tom, and I, and I think uh, Mark Quack said something similar. Like it's just so cool to see um, the, the person that we loved so much in Hannah get to – come up and do this and be nominated i mean uh, but well, she's she just was nominated for an academy award i think so wasn't she whoa awesome uh, i believe she was maybe I'm, maybe i'm wrong but to see her get to get to grow up and do this after doing hannah uh when, when you know there's no way i can have any sort of sexual yeah. feelings whatsoever about her even though she's just gorgeous and she's beautiful and i don't know, I don't know if that colors some of my like maybe it's maybe maybe you're right maybe it's paternal that i don't see any heat between her and either of her co-stars. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it is odd when you go the other direction, though, where you're exposed to, uh, like, a woman who's, like, a super hot chick, and then you see her playing a, a young... when she's a young actress playing a character, and I had this that experience with uh, an actress named Lacey Chabert, who was in <laughs> uh, Mean Girls, and she's in... Um, Actually, that's it. And then she's like a she's done like pinup things in Maxim or whatever. And she's this like super hot brunette chick. And then when I went back and watched uh, Lost in Space, the movie, she's like the little adolescent girl in Lost in Space. Oh no! I just felt really oogie about even just looking at her because you could see just enough of who's going to become this hot buxom pinup chick in a thirteen year old girl. And it was just really weird. I was like, dude, this is just gross and odd and was, so when you go the other direction it's really weird you know watching Saoirse yeah. Ronan grow up and feeling paternal towards her that makes perfect sense but right. you know seeing Lacey Chabert and sort of drooling and thinking oh she's totally hot and then seeing her in a movie as a little 13 year old is really just gross and disconcerting so just yeah, but, don't see movies with kids in them that's my <laughs> yeah, that same, oh, uh, the same thing Bridget goes on with Jodie Foster no, Jodie Foster is never hot. What's the matter with you, Dingus? Really? Right. A lot of I things. agree with Tom. Dingus is in it. Jodie Foster. Oh, my God. Wow, Dingus. Really? That's no. his Veronica Carr, right? Like what? Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But like what What modern day Jodie Foster? What modern day Jodie Foster role like do you think of where like she's super hot? Like what's a super hot Jodie Foster role? I guess. No, no, there's there's not one I was just making. No, you're not because I've heard you talk about her. What? Come on, Dingus. Really? Come clean in what? What is the most attractive uh, Jodie Foster role? She has a cool yeah. voice. Well, easily, that would be yeah. Elysium. <laughs> oh, my God. She's in Elysium. No, that's Glenn Close you're thinking of. Oh, sorry about that. I bet he liked her in Inside Man. She's really bossy. Tell you've, you've you scared him off because we were going to get him to confess where he really was into Jodie. Now he's saying he never meant it. We're dumb. He's well, dumb. you're the one that scared him off. He was about to answer it. I know. I know. I got excited. You startled I, I rabbited. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Speaking, speaking of rabbiting, Kelly Wand, what is this week's 3x3 three three topic? Well, since it's mine... I'm Dingus! Gonna... Yeah, Kelly Wand, why don't you let Dingus tell us this 3x3 three three topic and clam up for a second. Oh, my God. All right, so uh, these are your three favorite uh, footwear 
things in movies. Uh, you know, if you think about the moment in Brooklyn, for instance, um, when it's Rose, not her mom, uh, who is right. helping her get packed. <laughs> and it's very important that it's Rose and not her mom. Uh, and, and she's talking about leaving space for the shoes um, because they take up a lot of room. Like Lacey Chabert. I absolutely loved that little moment. Um, so it's your favorite footwear in movies. All right, Kelly Wand, you're introducing next week's 3 by 3 topic. So why don't you start off and give us your number three favorite footwear in a movie? I'm very excited about two of mine, and this is one of them. In the movie Poseidon, the remake, what? there's a part where uh, Richard Dreyfuss is gay, suicidal architect. Uh, <laughs> Those are all true. I mean, fair enough. I was about to take issue with that, but fair enough. You nailed his character traits. I was supposed to go to that with you and Steve Bauman, but then I flaked. And then it, but then when I saw it later, I felt really bad that I hadn't seen it with you guys. Oh, it was awesome to see it with people. Yeah, we have a good friend named Mike Cathcart. That's what everyone said. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, God, it's such a great uh, – Wait, you saw this with Mike Cathcart? I'm pretty sure we did, yeah. It's just, it was a shared community experience, and I, I believe, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of movie where you're like, what the fuck? And it's like uh, Freddy Rodriguez is in it, the yep. guy from Six Feet Under, and – he saves Richard Dreyfuss's character's life. Oh right! Oh, is this your? Is this the three by three? Yeah. Oh, this pick. This is awesome. Go on. Do you know where I'm going? Yeah, I do. Is it to kick him off, or you'll both die? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. The ladder, because there's a fire at the bottom of the ladder, and for some reason they have to lose someone, or the ladder will fall and kill all of them. So they tell Richard Dreyfuss, "Hey, kick Freddy Rodriguez's fingers," so he falls down into the fire. Neither of them, by the way, like he's not a villain. Like that's okay when you do that in a movie, and the villain is going to drag them both down. But he's like a good guy. He's like somebody yeah. who's he's been noble and he's helped people and he's kind. Uh, so they're in an elevator shaft, so, everyone, and yeah. they have to climb up to get through the door. But the elevator is coming down. So uh, Richard Dreyfus has to get up. He's in in front. Freddie Rodriguez is is behind, below him, and Freddie Rodriguez is holding his foot. They can't yeah. both get up. So they're t- yeah. So like you said. That's the line is, kick them off or you'll both die. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Dreyfus' character lives. So it, he, it was worth it. Like, murder was the way out. Well, exactly. It's, the, it's not like he kicked him off. I mean, I guess he felt bad, but it, it, that was true. He had to kick him off, and, you know, and then he got out. And But never for the rest of the movie did they mention that guy's character or that event ever. Like, fuck, that was I, fucked about <laughs> Freddy Rodgers. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, thank God that's... It's gone now. Anyway, all right. Who do we kick off? <laughs> so, uh, how is that a footwear pick? Is, is he hanging onto the shoe and the shoe falls with him or something? What? How it's like he... the side of the shoe, just like kicking Freddie Rodriguez face repeatedly. It's like any he's a gay architect, so it's like a moccasin or something. It's like a brown moccasin. And I just remember that shot and just going, "Wow, Poseidon! Damn! Why didn't I see this at the theater during that one shot of him getting kicked in the face?" So the footwear is Freddie Rodriguez's face. All right. Dingus, is there, is there a legal problem here? Are you okay with that? Yeah, because it's not an answer for the topic in any way, shape, or form, but it's about <laughs> a guy getting kicked in the face. So, Kelly, no, it's the shoe. playing the topic. Not at all. <laughs> it, it is a hilarious scene, Kelly Wand, but uh, it's a bit of a stretch. Dingus, he did promise us that he liked his number one and his number two. Oh, the number one's so good. We got it that was going for us, and unfortunately he'll be in jail and won't be able to submit them. Oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, it's like bail for the jinx. <laughs> Kelly Wand will uh, write a letter. You can, you can. There's outgoing mail at the prison. It might some things might be redacted from it, but you know, just write it in letter uh-huh. form, and we'll make sure it's included. Tom's saying things. Sure. 
Speaking of saying things, so the moment you mentioned this, Dingus, I I totally knew what my number one pick would be. I'm so glad you picked this. I don't even think you guys have seen the movie that, that I'm going to talk about. Um, uh, but that's that's my number one. I'm okay with my number two and my number three pick. My number three pick, I only ch- – oh, wait. Am I doing this right? Yeah, my number three pick I only chose because it's kind of like when I saw Die Hard as a kid – the way that John McClane would hold the pack of cigarettes and shake one out, uh, it totally made me not only want to smoke, but smoke. I was like, yeah, it's cool the way John McClane does cigarettes. And I, I didn't smoke for long, but when I did smoke, I was totally doing it because it looked cool when Bruce Willis did it in Die Hard. This footwear instance influenced what I wore in high school. I wore these shoes specifically because they're the exact same shoes that Michael Bean puts on at the beginning of Terminator, and it's a, it's a Nike product placement. I think we mentioned this before. Cameron also does it in Aliens. There are two specific close-up shots of the Nike logo in Aliens, and it's the same thing in Terminator where Michael Bean is, is naked. He's running to the department store. The cops are chasing him, and you see him lower his foot into the frame behind a closet where he's been hiding, and he's putting on these black sort of high-top Nike sneakers that have that Velcro band that goes around the top. Uh, and I genuinely was like, yeah, Michael Bain is cool, and oh, he wears those shoes? I'm going to wear those shoes. So this movie made me wear a specific type of shoes for years in high school. Uh, so there's my number three pick. So uh, – What? Hmm. What? I don't know. You just seem really easy. Well, when it, yeah, when I was a kid in high school, I mean, now I'm resistant to that. I'm, and plus, they, I'm sure they were tacky. Do you guys know the Nike product placement in Aliens? I think we've talked about this. The alien um, wraps one in, a, in an egg? Really? Dingus, do you not know? I thought we mentioned – do you not – I'm not re- sure we've talked about it, but I can't remember. They're, they're so egregious to me. Uh, when you see Ripley put her foot into the loader when Apone is – when she's demonstrating to Apone that she can be useful and, and Cameron is introducing those loaders, there's a close-up shot of her sliding her foot into the little foot buckle thing on the loader, and it's a Nike logo. The oh. other one is <sighs> they're cutting a hole in the pipe for Bishop to wriggle through. And there's a shot inside the pipe, uh, and he lowers his foot to step into the pipe, and uh, there you go, Nike logo. Uh, what? I remember you saying that now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never noticed neither of those, so the joke's on you, because product placement's lost on me. <laughs> I'm paying attention to the plot. Very nice, Kelly Wan. You're immune to product placement. Good to know. Yeah. And that still leads to my favorite moment in that movie when he gets handed the gun. And oh, the- right, right. And hands it back. That is great. Who gives him where's Nike? Who gives him the gun? Do you remember Dingus? Uh, I think it's Mike. Is it Michael Bean who gives him the gun, and then he just looks at it like, and then hands it to her? And she totally is like, "Yeah, I understand. You don't want this. It's not going to do you any good. This isn't going to help you at all." Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Uh, all right, That's Dingus. Nice you're up. Your third favorite uh, footwear in a movie, Dingus. All right, here's a quote from it. What's with you in those fucking boots? I like the quote. I could start guessing movies with boots, but I don't want to scoop anymore. So, in the flash. This is from Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. I love this already. All right. Um, and this is one of the first ones I thought of. Actually, I thought of something else, but I'll tell you about that later. Uh, but it's it's these sad old boots that um, Vicky Rourke has been keeping together for years because uh, his old man gave him the boots. And, and he the first time he wore them was when he rode 
uh, his first professional rodeo. And, and I think the, the line he says, it was the first and last thing uh, his old man ever gave him. And so he's kept them together. He's duct taped them. Um, and throughout the movie, um, Don Johnson keeps asking him, what is, what's with those boots? Why do you, why don't you just get some new boots? I mean, it's constantly, he's constantly asking him that. And, and finally, when they're in their, their last moments, he's like, you, you never answered that question for me. And finally, he does that thing, like, uh, like the watch in, um, The Night Run, or maybe even the watch in, uh, in Pulp Fiction, where he finally tells the story of like, this is, okay, fine. My, my dad gave him to me. It's, a, it's one of my most important possessions, and that's why I won't give them up. And so, you also – I think there's a scene too where they're like loading guns or something. You see Mickey Rourke actually taping up the boots because they're falling apart, right? Right, right. Yeah, he yeah. actually tapes the boots up. I mean he actually, he actually has to keep taping them up, yeah. Yeah. All right, Kelly Wan, how can you beat that? What's your number two, presumably better a better choice than Dingus' number three because it's your second choice? What's the number two instance of footwear in a movie for you? I like the ones in 2001 that the stewardess is wearing when she walks in a circle on the spaceship because she looks so proud that she's doing it, walking in a circle. So, Dingus, I have this letter from Kelly Wan's 3x3 prison where he's basically written what he just said. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, this is, uh, he's requested this be put in front of a pardon board. Uh, on the strength of this, the good behavior with this choice, do you let him out of jail? Yeah, because I can actually when he when I read this letter, or as you've read it to me, Tom, yes. um, I can actually see this scene in my head. Yes. So I, I can actually see that motion going on and the cadence of it. Uh, so I'm I'm okay with that. That's fine. Kelly, one, I'm, I'm here to pick you up from jail, just like yes. that scene in the beginning of uh, of uh, uh, what's that that Fury movie with Robert De Niro? What is that called? Or in the Bayou? Um, shoot. Cape Fear. Uh, Fury in the Bayou. <laughs> the Dinkus' head defense comes through again. Kelly Wan, don't you want your books? That's from Problem Child? Come on, you don't remember? That's a great little exchange. Dingus, do you know that yeah. exchange from the beginning of Cape Fear? Dingus, yeah. don't you want your books? I can't I can't give you the line. Oh, it's just he basically says something like, I already read them. <laughs> I love that. Got, oh, that part. He's got stuff to do. He's got to go get revenge on Nick Nolte. Yeah. Right. And then he goes and he totally ruins a movie watching experience, which which turns me off to his character. I know, right? It makes you not. It makes him really unlikable. I would yeah, say. it really, really makes him. It's kind of an which movie it is. Oh, I don't. What movie are they watching in Cape Fear, Kelly? Wong? I think it's Night of the Hunter. <laughs> no, that would be. That's like when Catherine Bigelow has them walking past a screening of Aliens in Near Dark. No. Uh, what what movie are they watching, Kelly Wand? Problem Child. <laughs> He's ruining is, Problem Child. Is that true? Yeah. He's I don't know laughing. what it is. They're not is, laughing. Is that that Eddie Murphy thing where... Uh, no, it's John Ritter, and there's a redhead who's uh, blowing up well, shit, throwing the cat in the dryer. Well, at least it's a comedy. Like, if it had been like Schindler's List or something, that would have been even more outrageous. Right. In Chicago. If it were Schindler's to- List, he would have been making out with a girl during it. He drains all the oceans because he's mischievous. And then he's like, Ritter's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> Problem child? Yeah. A kid drains all the oceans. Yeah, mischievously. How, do, how does that work? How, do you, how does a kid have the power to drain oceans? He uses a slingshot. 
Ugh, Kelly One, I'm not listening to you. Wow. Dingus, what is your se- – oh, no, me. Tom, what is your second favorite <laughs> shoes in a movie? Uh, all right, this one, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm just picking this one because it's recent, but I really do love this, and I think I'll always – I'll long remember this as a great touch. Normally in um, – in, in political movies, like the evil CIA guy has like, like one of those floral print tourist shirts. Like he's in he, he's in uh, Central America and he's up to mischief and he's totally the CIA guy because he's got on that shirt and you know, oh, that's the CIA. This is sort of the latter day equivalent of it, and it's Josh Brolin's flip flops in Sicario. Yeah, very good. Uh, what an awesome touch! I mean, Brolin's already selling that character, but uh, Denis Villeneuve knows enough. Like he's a good enough filmmaker that he's furthermore going to show us – he's not just showing us what he's wearing. It's Emily Blunt seeing yeah. what he's wearing. Yeah, going it's up not, CIA. Yeah, it's not just, a, it's not just a, a shot of, hey, look at this wacky character I put in shoes. It's Emily Blunt not really knowing what he's up to, who he is, and noticing, oh, my god, this guy has flip-flops in this like important meeting. Uh, it's a spook. Yeah, after, after what she's been through, and you see her look at them, and yeah. I love that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, also, and his manner too, contrast with it. Right, right. Well, yeah, and you know he's chewing gum, and he's not yeah, wearing a right. suit, and just the flip flops are the cherry on top of the sundae, basically. Right. Um, and I also love this because, again, like with Terminator, I, I had some personal. I resonated with it. Uh, you know, I wear flip flops all the time, and I realize, you know, I know they're tacky, and I know that adults probably shouldn't wear flip flops. But I, you know, I don't. It, it's nice out here in Southern California. I don't have to work in an office. Um, I I wear flip flops all the time, so I wanted to high five Josh Brolin at that point. Wait, you adults can wear flip flops all the no? It, yeah. There's that's not a rule. It's not an adult shoe, Kelly Wand. What? No. Crocs are not a, a, an adult shoe, in my. Opinion. Well, I'm not saying I wear those either. I mean, I, right? I don't. Those wear are those either. Also, those things where it's like a glove for your foot and like the toes. Dingus has a pair of those. Yeah, Dingus wears. <laughs> Does he? Oh, Dingus. You're you know so what good. that reminds me of? I see those and I think of uh, Angela Bassett in that Aeon Flux movie where she's like a mutant who has foot, uh, like hands for feet. Uh, right. It's just really disconcerting to see those toed shoes. Yeah. Or the Tom Cruise gloves from Mission Impossible that always break when he's or trying the to find the bill. Nicholas Holt's feet. Uh, oh, yeah. Feet. I think of those as Kelsey Grammer's feet, really. Uh, that's I'm an old school. X-Men fan. I, I have always had such a hard time with flip-flops. I, I've never understood yeah, them. Too. I hate walking in them. I hate hearing yeah, them. Walk they're in. my toe. Just, just because of, of being like working in high schools and those long hallways that are always a little bit dusty and kids like sliding their feet across. Yeah, they're gross. Uh, and just the way that flip-flops sound. And my, the weird thing is my feet are built for flip-flops. I've got this weird, this weird um, space between my big toe and the next toe. It's like my feet were yeah. – or flip-flops were made for my feet, whichever way you want to put it. But I've never liked wearing them. I've always, I've always loved wearing real shoes, and it's so fascinating to – to like be around somebody like Tom who's like I don't even want to put socks on. Are you kidding? Yeah. Um, I mean it, that's hilarious. And and what you just said, Tom, takes me back to the fact that uh, when I started really started acting on stage, I realized at some point that geez, I'm a, I'm kind of a shoe actor. That you know my my character, you know whatever character I'm doing on stage doesn't really become fully realized until I put my shoes until I fig- until we figure out what shoes that character's wearing. It's the weird it's a weird thing. Um, <laughs> what? So that I was with so you that, on the weird feet thing. I have those too, but the, the actor No, I can't I can't explain it, but but Tom's Just explanation shoes? of 
of I don't know. It's not. I don't know. It's just that once you figure out how you're walking, and part of how you're walking is what you're wearing on your feet. Oh, no, that makes sense. I mean, that's a that's a really big deal. So if your character's wearing boots, he's got a different demeanor than like a dude like that's wearing true. sandals. Um, and that thing that Tom was saying. Uh, and I didn't think about this when I saw Sicario, but it reminds me of reading the book Black Hawk Down and how the Delta dudes were um, were described, and and how that they had this this they were so badass that that they would let their hair grow, they would wear whatever, there were caps, and the way they dealt with their weapons, they were just so badass that that it didn't matter to them what they were wearing and they could they could get away with long hair and beards and wearing flip-flops or whatever and that Josh Bolin thing what how Tom described it just flashed me back to Black Hawk Down you know I Kelly Wand is there some I'm thinking of something is, I want to say it's like a Hunter Thompson book maybe where someone talks about how you can always tell a cop even undercover cop by what shoes they're wearing <laughs> Do you know what that is? Is that ringing any bells for you? No, but it's a cool quote. Shoot, I think it might be a Hunter S. Thompson book or something. I don't know. I wish I knew what I got that from. Uh, I remember when we for Scott Pilgrim at the Chinese Theater, you came in flip-flops, and you were carrying uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. <laughs> That's a cool combination, Jules Verne. And- <laughs> yeah. That's all you need I'll to know about me, Kelly Wan. That's my identity yeah. in that shell right there. I'm <laughs> And then I later I was like, oh, so add the Vern. He's like, oh, look through that. That was like, and you like you didn't read it after I saw you. That like the flip flops was like, I'm just going to carry the book around, and even though it's already dead to me inside. What do you mean I didn't read it after I saw you? What? After the flip flop incident, you never right. like returned to the book. So like you brought it to the theater for nothing because you'd already given up on the book, but you didn't know it yet. I didn't know if you were going to be so boring that I would just have to whip out a book and read. <laughs> They go, yeah. I got to hang out with this Kelly Wand guy. Maybe if I read a book in front of him, he'll stop jabbering at me. <laughs> what, what shoes were you wearing when you kicked the door, Kelly Wand? Ah! Right. Uh, the night Kelly Wand injured himself for weeks to come by kicking it. No, that was the night of the divide. Oh my God, that's right. We saw. The, yeah, right, right. Uh, all right, that's enough shoe reminiscence. So my number two pick is Josh Brolin's flip flops. Kelly, or no, Dingus. What is better, and I can't imagine there being anything, than Mickey Rourke's boots in Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man? Uh, this uh, this is not better than Sicario, um, but I, I hold it uh, slightly above Harley Davidson. And this is from the movie um, Dances with Wolves. Uh, and this is at the beginning of the movie um, when he's on the surgery table and, and he realizes that he's about to be about to have his uh, foot or leg amputated. Um, and he sits up at a, on the surgery table because the surgeon has wandered off for a moment. And there's this like little p- pile of boots next to him. And he reaches down with this stick and... And, gra- and sort of it's a stick with a kind of a hook on the end. He pulls this boot up, and and it's this excruciating moment where his he's totally he's so injured, his foot is just in such amazing pain. But he pulls this boot onto his foot, um, this red bloody slimy foot of his um that's about that would have been taken off if he isn't going to do this he pulls it about halfway on 
and he, and he almost passes out from the pain. And then he breaks the stick over his leg and he puts it in his teeth to hold it so he can keep from passing out and grip it. And then he pulls the boot the rest of the way onto his injured foot. And then he gets his, gets himself out of there. And that, that, that weird, uh, wartime, I'm going to take a, a shoe out of a pile of, of shoes and, and put it on my foot. Uh, that thing, oh man, that, that thing gives me the creeps every time. I love that moment. So he's putting it on because he's going to leave, not because he wants there to be a shoe on his severed, on his amputated foot. Uh, both. I mean, because he he wants to he wants to get himself out of there, but with a shoe on. Um, right. It's not like he's putting it on in preparation for the amputation. No, no, no. He's putting okay. it on to get out of there. Right. Yeah. So his foot heals because he's he's being prepared for surgery, and he sits up on the surgical table to go. Uh, no, you are not taking my foot off. I'm putting my shoes back on and getting out of here. That's called uh, doing a Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Is it? Because we yeah. saw a movie where he refused to have an amputation. Oh, he right, right, right. He heals miraculously, just like Costner's. He denies the amputation, and he also struggles with the boot. It's probably not as grueling as the scene you're describing in Dances with Wolves, but. Right. Bone Tomahawk, there's a scene where he's having to deal with being injured and how painful it is putting and taking off a, a boot. Yeah. Right. So. Right, right. Yeah. It, it's very much of a piece. You're right, Tom. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wand, we are now down to your opinion of the best example of footwear in all of moviedom. What do you got for oh, us? Yeah. This was such an easy one to pick. There's really only one choice. Oh. Obviously. Did you steal mine? Dead gummit. You said I hadn't seen yours. Well, I don't know. When you put it that way, I'm thinking, because I feel like mine is such an easy choice. All right, what do you got? Don't scoop me. Please don't scoop me. Fingers crossed. It's one of my favorite movies, so I think you would have been less cocky about... Okay. Because you know I love this. Oh, okay. In that case, I don't think you're scooping me. It's the boots from the prison in my favorite action movie, Face Off. <laughs> Face Off, of course. Well done. Savage. I love that shit so fucking much. It's so amazing. Tom would never oh pick God. that. No, no, but he should have. Because it is, those are, that's the best footwear in any movie ever. It's, uh. I didn't even think about that. That's great. <laughs> hey, what's it's the big a, deal about a pair of shoes and face off? Uh, it's a prison for extreme serial killers and supervillains, you see. Extreme serial killers. Extreme. Nicholas Cage is there. Wait. Uh, what, what's the name of the prison, Kelly Wand? No, oh, I don't know. Air One, Air One. Air One, very good. Air One. Even I remember that. And then Nicholas Cage is there. He's trying, he's supposed to be undercover, but John Travolta is tricking him. So he's actually stuck there, and the place is so tough that you make you wear magnetic boots on your feet <laughs> so that you can't escape the prison. <laughs> so what? funny. Prisoners are so badass, so you have to clomp around in these boots that magnetize to the floor all the time. Oh, so, just, yeah. so you can't run, is the idea. Yeah, so on top of all of his other problems, this other guy's got his face. He's stuck in prison with a bunch of serial killers. John Travolta's uh, living with his wife outside. And to top it all off, he's got these fucking boots on his feet that he can't even walk around in. How can he get out of it? And this is, again, one of those things where I can feel the, like, clonk, clonk, clonk of those boots. Yeah, remember the sounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Don't not pick that. Eh, whatevs. <laughs> what? I have a better, so I, this, I'm, I'm not going to scoop anyone. This I forget how, hold on, Tom. Yeah. I forget how he gets out of that situation with the boots. 
They're going to put him in a chair. He tricks them by having by starting a riot. No, that's the thing. They only come off if they're going to torture you or something. So he has to trick. He starts a riot, so he gets put in a torture chair. So they have to take the boots off, and then he uses like a cigarette as a fucking knife or a shiv or something. He uses a cigarette as a shiv. He does something cool. <laughs> Right. That's a great screenwriter screenwriter uh, note. He does something. But the cool. boots is like something where you go. I could just see it in the screenplay, and like the producer's going, "Well, if we get it. It's a, it's a super prison. We need to do the boots too." But like John Woo's like, "No, no, put the fucking boots on every <laughs> every actor's wearing fucking boots for this shit. You got to like hear it. Sound guy, get in here. I want you to hear. This is how the boots are gonna fucking sound." Like it's such a s- weird idea, and it's like I've never. <laughs> Come on, it's great. Every one of the boots has a dove in it. Uh, uh, see Kelly Wan, see, see what see? you get. He knows I'm right. Uh, are the boots as cool as those collars that Mimi Rogers and Rutger Hauer wear in that movie, where it's going to blow their heads up? <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. Oh my God, what is that movie? It's called like Head Off or something, or what is it? Oh, I was thinking it was No Escape, but it's not No Escape. It might be Head Off. That's something, an awesome title. It is something like that. Kelly Wan, I feel like you should know this. I should. There's a few movies where you're wearing a collar that'll blow up your head. Well, no, but the, the idea this is a, a, a future sci fi take on the old idea where the two uh, fugitives are connected by handcuffs. Right. In this, right. They, if they move too far away from each other, their collars will They're, blow their heads off. Yeah. So they're head cuffs. What, that, what was that called? Oh man, I can't believe you don't know this. It was it was it was constantly showing on those free HBO weekends yeah. when I was. Yeah. Well, I probably saw it, but it was too big to remember the title. So it's probably something like Planet of Death. <laughs> I like that theory. I don't think that's right, but I like that theory. Uh, all right, so Kelly Wan, your number one is Face Off. Yeah. Oh, oh no, I was going to say. So I actually, I, I watched this, rewatched this, just because. I remembered the boots. It's not a pick. Nobody's going to choose this. This is, again, just a fixture of my childhood. There's a great moment. Not even a great moment. It's a small moment that, for whatever reason, I remember (laughs) where uh, Kurt Russell has gone into New York, which is a maximum security prison, to rescue the president who has crashed over there. He's he's been uh, kidnapped by ninjas. It's called – no, there's no ninjas. Uh, It's called Escape from New York. And oh. at one early on in the movie, he doesn't really know. Like he's following a tracker, and that's going to take him to the president. And you know that ends up not working. But while he just thinks he has to like walk in and follow a tracker, the tracker takes him underground. And there's like a, a hobo or like a bum just sitting there on the ground. And the bum looks up at him, and is like, "Nice boots, chief." <laughs> and he has said Real this. Nice. He has said this to Kurt Russell. To Snake Plissken, specifically to distract him so that two bad guys can sneak yeah. up behind him and ambush him. But he's – Snake Plissken's so badass, he's ready for this. And with mm-hmm. that barely looking back, he like punches one guy and then elbows the other, and they get knocked out. And then the guy's like, okay, chief, I'm going, I'm going. But that's how <laughs> that's how he distracts Snake Plissken, tries yeah. to distract Snake Plissken, is complimenting his boots, which are indeed nice, by the way. But you would normally get a hot chick to do that. I go, oh, distracted. Well, it's it's the New York prison, you know, because he's actually doing this in a theater where they're showing like dudes. It's like the prison thing where you've got dudes right. dressed up as women dancing and doing the musical number. Right. So there's a, there's a shortage. Exactly. There, all the hot chicks are Adrian Barbeau, and there's only one of them. So it's it's tough. or the president's daughter in the second one. What? Oh my God, is that man? I should rewatch Escape from Los Angeles. I don't remember. Uh, 
just to be a completion. Peter Fonda isn't in a surf as a surfer. Didn't see it. Isn't Kim Cattrall in the scene? Oh, that would be so nice. Well. All right. So anyway, that is not my number one pick. No, that's not what I'm choosing. I just really. You, you made me think of that. <laughs> I just thought of that with uh, you know, face off like cool prison boots because he's in prison and they're cool boots. Cool prison boots. The distraction is him saying in a suspicious voice, "Nice boots, chief." Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. That's weird. If you, huh? if you ever hear that, exactly, be on the lookout. Be suspicious if someone's suspiciously eyeing your boots. Yep. It's the weird, weirdest PSA ever. Well, the thing he's is, not what he's they are nice boots. Like if, like I, I don't know how he would have got him. Like if he hadn't been wearing nice boots. What is he going to say? Uh, yeah, but if someone comes up to you and goes, hey, nice wallet, I wouldn't be going, oh, he's on the up and up. <laughs> okay, that, fair enough. obviously just admiring my wallet. Well, Kelly, Weiss, Kelly Wan, you're, you're way more streetwise than most of us. So. Yeah, you're up on the streets. My number one pick for the best shoes in movies, and this I immediately thought of when you mentioned this, Dingus, and I don't think you guys have seen this movie. Uh, at the beginning of uh, – and this is from – it's from before I was born. It's like 1961 or something. Uh, there's an Akira Kurosawa movie called High and Low that opens. Mm. Oh, with, very nice. Uh, these uh, with uh, Toshiro Mifune specifically, and there's other Japanese men. Uh, it opens in this kind of uh, this really fancy house that he's in, and you see him cross the screen, uh, and the camera goes with him, and it pans over to a table full of women's shoes. And what then follows is this scene that plays out with all the seriousness, all the gravity of a succession crisis Get in it. Shakespearean drama. Um, they're, they're talking about – these are men from a shoe company, and Tashir Mufuni is the guy who runs the plant. There's some other men in there, like the marketing guy and a designer, and they're plotting about – uh, voting the president off of the board and, and getting enough shares to take him out. Uh, and they're trying to win these three uh, conspirators. They're trying to get Toshiro Mufuni on their side. Um, and it's like it's like this royal intrigue scene, but it's all about women's shoes. And at one point, they are going to win him over by showing him this new shoe that they want to develop that the old man, who's the president, that's what they call him, basically like the king, uh, would never allow. And they show him this shoe. And to the average viewer, and I, I guess, I mean, to me, they all look the same. They're all just like high-heeled shoes on this table. And they show it to Tichiro Mifune, and he, he, he considers it, and he goes out on the balcony, and he thinks about it, and you think, oh, this is going to be about a movie. He's going to agree, and they're all going to take down the president. Um and then he comes back in holding the shoe, and he does this great Toshiro Mufune rant where he literally tears the shoe apart by complaining about how it's shoddy workmanship, and there's not even nice stitching, and there's no metal insert. And it's like – it's actual technical shoe talk that wow. this this huge Japanese – you know, he's – you know Toshiro Mufune is – like he's this imposing screen presence, and he's literally ripping apart a lady's shoe. And this is the turning point where you realize, oh, he's not going to join them. You know, the power struggle is going to be him against them. Right. Um, and that, that's that's sort of the backdrop for what becomes a a, a kidnapping procedure. Kidnap, yeah. yeah, a crime thriller kind of. Um, but I just love the fact that 
Kurosawa, who would do the same kind of scene, but in an adaptation of King Lear, uh, did this about these, these, this imposing Japanese, you know, Tichiro Mifune is just, a, he's a giant of screen for a reason. And they're talking about ladies' shoes. I love that opening in High and Low. Man, that's a great pick. Damn, that's yeah. a great pick. I didn't even think of that. I forgot that High and Low has all this to do with, or has this backdrop of shoes. Yeah. That's great, Tom. Well, as you guys know, I, you can leave it to me to pick the old classics. Like Grandpa movies. Yeah. And foreign movies. Yeah. He loves reading movies that are old. It is funny. Like, rewatch, like, I mean, that's just the genius of Kurosawa is, you know, high and low is like two and a half hours, but it moves. I mean, it's an easy watch. Uh, yeah. You know, once Damn, you get over that initial, like, oh, God, I'm going to watch a two and a half hour Japanese movie. That first scene where it pans over and there's the shoes and you see those guys, and you're like, oh, right, yeah, this. It's an, e- it's an easy watch. It just moves. It's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, that's a great pick. Damn, that's so. a great pick. All right, but Dingus, I'm sure you've got one better. At least it's better than uh, Dances with Wolves shoes. What is. is your favorite footwear in a movie? My favorite footwear in a movie, actually, there's three things in this movie that qualify. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, which uh, I, I would probably pull myself over for being uh, self-indulgent, but I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> the the main thing, the, the, the one that actually inspired this topic was because I saw this movie um, for a previous 3x3 about uh, reloading. This is the movie is No Country for Old Men. Um, the first footwear moment that I love in this movie is um, when it's in the police station at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And do you know so what I'm it, talking about? So I know what you're talking about. Yeah, this, yes. uh, the, the, yeah, yeah. The scuff marks. It's brutal. Okay. Right, right. So it's it's it, it, the boots in this movie are amazing. I mean, it's constant boots. And, mm-hmm. and you see him approach... Um, uh, Shigur, yeah, approach the deputy, you know, and, he, and you see him walking in these cowboy boots, and and he puts the the cuffs over his neck, and they they struggle on the floor, and they're just kicking, and it's just those the heels of those boots, bo- both of their shoes, the deputy shoes and the boots, scuffing the floor and making those scuff marks. That's the that's the thing that inspired. Well, actually, no, I'm not being truthful. Um, the, the second thing made well, me that, think that back kind of to that. I think has become that's kind of an iconic shot, like the foot going through the windshield in The Godfather, like that. Ah. I, I think everybody knows that shot from No Country for Old Men. And when you right. said that, I was like, "What's the shoe scene?" And the moment you said Deppy, I was like, "Oh, right, that scene." So I kick it. Yeah. Th- there's actually a smaller moment that actually made me think of this topic, but I chose this one as my number as my first of these three things I'm going to talk about. And, and it's it's this weird little shot. It's it's so weird. Um, it's when Llewellyn is looking for uh, the last man standing. You know, he's talked to the dude in the pickup. He's like, where's the last man standing? Where's the last dude? And the guy in the truck is just asking for water. And so Llewellyn kind of figures out which way to go. And then he, he finally he decides I'm going to go the way out the way I came in. And then he sees that he's like, oh, the guy would look for a place to get shade and he finds these two trees on the horizon and he sees the guy sitting under there and he looks at him through the binoculars and he spends hours just waiting for the guy to move and he never moves so finally he goes forward uh, but 
Before he does that, there's the shot that the Coen brothers do that is through a hole in the sole of the boot of the guy who's leaning against the tree who's dead. What? It's a beautiful shot. It's this weird, beautiful, like, we're just going to shoot this shot. I have no idea why they did this. I have no idea why that shot even exists. Like through a hole in the in the bottom of his boot? What was yeah, the hole? It, yeah, it's, it's, it, the, the shot is of Llewellyn in the distance, but it's... It's it's through a hole in the sole of this guy's boot that like the like the if you can imagine the sole of the boot like peeling away and there's a hole that's been worn in it and the shot is a, a shot from that angle of the that hole in the boot going through the boot to look where Luella, Llewellyn is is sitting in the distance waiting. So I can't see it like I, like you're, you're making me think the camera's inside the boot and you're seeing the. No, no. Is there a hole in, through the top and the bottom of the boot, like a bullet hole, or what? no? No, it. <laughs> What's all this about? It's really hard to describe. It's like if you imagine, like uh, you're you're leaning against a tree, and and uh, are, and you're you know you've got your feet up, and uh, and the camera's on the other side of you, looking back toward. Because if you imagine the shot, it's it, it's Llewellyn looking at the tree, and the guy is is is. Um, Leaning against the tree, and his feet are pointing away from him. Okay. So if the camera is pointing back our way toward Llewellyn, it would be on the other side of the guy, and the camera shot would be going toward his feet. And there's this hole in the guy's, in the sole of the guy's boot, and the camera just catches that hole, and it sees light through that hole, and it's just looking in the distance. And it, it, it's not as if the camera's in the boot, it's at, on, from the other side of the guy. I mean, it's it's really I, hard to describe, but it's, I still can't picture it. But weird. I'm I'm no Roger Deakins, so yeah, it's just a great weird shot. And then and then the other moment is just you know, Llewellyn takes off his shoes, jumps in the river, swims downstream, and then he he like wraps his feet uh, in. Um, I forget what he wraps his feet in, like in parts of in parts of his shirt. Because he's going to have to do this long walk. It's after he shoots a dog, so he's 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 shed his footwear in order to swim down the river. Um, and then when he gets through that whole whole ordeal, he's sitting up, and as he's preparing to walk the long walk home, he wraps his feet with his shirt. Now, so sort you're of not, you're not footwear. claiming those are shoes. Oh, you know what? You did say footwear, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Kelly, why you outsmarted us? So you, we don't have to count all three of those, but I just wanted to talk since since I'm the last one to go, I don't have to worry about uh, trumping anyone, um, except for listeners, and and I don't think anybody would pick any of these three. But maybe they will, but that that moment, you know, uh, where the the boots are scuffing on the ground uh, in the in the deputy station or at the sheriff station is my favorite. Kelly, Wand, what the way he put it, I'm just now realizing this. We could have picked socks. Yeah. Dad, gummit. Outsmarted by dingus again. Or toenails. Uh, I don't know. I think I told you guys this, but just in case the listeners or anybody who hasn't heard this before, uh, I was lucky enough to get a couple of lines once on West Wing, and it was in a scene with a, a press conference where Allison Janney, who's <laughs> awesome, she's up there uh, answering questions. Um, and just as a, as a person, like she was super warm and friendly, and you know, you hear that about certain celebrities, and that's cool. But the, the cool, funny thing I remember about her is. She's in her like press conference outfit, which I don't even remember what that was. But whenever they would shoot a scene, she would ask the guy directing, "Are my feet in this? You know, where where's the frame?" And if it wasn't, 
shooting like below her knee, she would just wear these big old fuzzy slippers because the shoes were uncomfortable. <laughs> so it was just awesome doing the scene with her and we're pretending, you know, I'm pretending I'm a reporter and she's the, the White House press secretary and I'm asking her the question and there's those big old fuzzy slippers on her feet, which is just adorable. That's funny. That's really great. You know, I, Sean Connery wouldn't wear pants during the scenes in Last Crusade because it was too hot. Wait, what? That's creep. What? <laughs> what about Zardoz? <laughs> in what scene could he get away with not wearing pants? I guess maybe sitting in the sidecar on the motorcycle. No, it, it was specifically in, I think, where, where he's sitting at a so table. So that's what he was calling Junior. When he's sitting at a, oh, very nice. We're sitting at a table in the blimp. Oh, okay. At a table. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, what do the listeners have for their favorite uh, instances of footwear, Dingus? All right, our first listener, we have Rhiannon McLean. Oh, we haven't heard that name in a while. Welcome back, Rhiannon. Yeah. Dear Sir slash Madam, number three for Rhiannon is in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. (laughs) See the young inventor Flint as a child testing his invention of spray-on shoes on himself. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> spray-on shoes. Uh, flash forward to adult Flint and his feet are still encased in the plastic coating 20 years later. Scout. Value. That would be good if it was a movie, but too bad it's a cartoon. Huh. Uh, number, so. number two for Rhiannon, I'm sure I won't be the only person to bring up the most traumatic and affecting on-screen death in cinematic history. The Dipping of the poor little squeaky shoe. Oh, no, you are the first. The dipping of the poor little squeaky shoe in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Just horrific and made so much worse by the fact that it's a shoe and therefore part of a pair. Horrendous. Do you remember that? Do you remember the the shoe like... like Yeah, but it's a noir Pulling away from the dip. Like, ah, the way it squealed. It's uh, not a body count. It's a booty count because it's a boot. Rhiannon's number one. I hope I hope her number one is not an animated shoe. So far, all of her shoes are animated, not real. Let's, let's see what the number one is. You're gonna like this one, Tom. Okay. This is this is right up your alley. Um, number one, Mark Zuckerberg's Adidas flip flops in the Social Network are iconic, cool, unfussy utilitarian, appropriate footwear for the young businessman on the up and up in every situation, whether he's in his dorm room, courtroom, in a business meeting, poolside, not ideal in the snow. Justin Timberlake calls them his fuck you flip-flops in the film. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Tom called his with Jules Verne. And they're the image on the inside sleeve of the Blu-ray. You know, when she re- when she brings up that line, I was worried she was going to detract from the coolness of Josh Brolin's flip-flops in Sicario. But when she mentions the line, I'm, I'm down with that. Very nice. Happy belated new, new Year to the three of you. Yours faithfully, Rhiannon. With many kisses. Thank you, Rhiannon. Ugh. I like that you – I didn't remember they were called the fuck you flip-flops. Right? That is great. Uh, Paul Weimer says, hi, guys. I hope to shoe in this week's pick before the deadline. <laughs> I'm guessing all of Paul's are like like some kind of Roman boots from Gladiator. That's my prediction. Uh, Paul thinks that he's he's dead certain that Dingus will have scooped his number two. Event Horizon. Like, I have to take a plastic bag along with me. Uh, number three. The wall-clinging gravity boots that are a clue as to, to the identity of the real assassin in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. 
Uh, I thought it was going to be Star Trek V, the boots Kirk's wearing when they just climb on the mountain. Oh. Star Trek, it was going to this do. is a good one. I forgot this. Yeah. It emerges that when they are found, the suspect Spock and the company are currently considering as feet that definitely do not fit the footwear in question, exonerating him. That's great. Uh, Paul's number two that he thinks I would have scooped is in L.A.'s story. I have no idea where he's going with this. The shoes of Harris K. Telemacher, which is played by Steve Martin, right? That have we oh okay that have wheels on so he can go roller skating through an art museum. Who wouldn't want shoes that could do that? He's whimsical. You mean like the same ones that little kids wear? Well, <laughs> you mean like out the toilet? Um, yeah, basically. But right. that was new then, and then there's a joke about the Guggenheim. Um, yeah. All right, good. And finally, Paul Weimer's number one in the Lady Eve. Yes, Grandpa movie, Tom. (laughs) Don't worry, Paul. He he chose a Japanese Grandpa movie. You're fine. Uh, Anyway, uh, there is flirtation and amusement when the sexy Barbara Stanwyck's Jean fakes tripping and breaks a shoe to catch the attention of her would-be swindling victim, Charles, played by Henry Fonda. The result, this results in him taking her back to her room and putting new shoes on her feet. It is the new shoes and the putting of them on that is my choice. Okay, I have a question. What, how did he describe Barbara Stanwyck? What were the adjectives there, Dinkus? Patrician. Sexy. Uh, I don't understand how someone with the name Barbara Stanwyck can be considered sexy. That makes no sense to me. She's the art museum Steve Martin roller skates through with that name. Wow. Barbara Stanwyck. Really, that's the name of a sexy woman, please. She had her time. I wouldn't know. I've never seen her. I don't watch those old grandpa movies. I'm thinking of her Bonanza days. Next, we have Colton W. Westrate. Nice. I am so glad to have an excuse to submit this amazing scene for a 3x3. In Jackie Chan's Who Am I? There's a stupendous (laughs) fight. Hear that? Shupendous. Uh, all right, all right, we're on to you, Westrait. The Shupendous fight scene that takes place in the streets of Rotterdam, uh, and it prominently features wooden shoes. Among the many reasons to recommend this movie, this one has to be near the top. I dare anyone to watch this clip, and he includes a clip in the email, which sadly we can't play for this podcast, uh, then resist watching the rest of the movie. Just Google Who Am I Wooden Shoes. It's the first result. Take care. Colton. Oh, and then he actually he moves on, and he says, "Holy cats! I totally forgot about a second amazing scene involving footwear." In "Who Am I?" To cap off the glorious superfluous closing sequence, we are treated to a laugh-out-loud double spin kick made by a protagonist wearing ridiculously tall high heels. Uh, you know, side note from me, uh, Dingus. Um, who would, would have like like people being killed with shoes moments. Anyway, back to Colton. Um, Barbara Wire. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've attached spoiler-free screenshots of the shoes and the damage they inflict. You think us hold those up for the listeners so they yeah, can see yeah. them? Good. Nice. Now you can see them on News Channel 8. Um, as I was typing, I remembered another Jackie Chan fight scene. Wow, Colton, he's up with Jackie Chan. <laughs> I didn't know I had so many fight scenes. In First Strike, yeah, usually it's a lot of uh, drawing room stuff. In First Strike, 
Jackie has no choice but to do battle while wearing stilts that are at least as tall as he is. Among (laughs) many creative uses in the sequence, my favorite is when he uses the stilts to fling a waste basket into the face of an onrushing attacker. That's good. He's attached a clip to that. Uh, Could have just stabbed him with the stilt, though. That's a good point, actually. And you know what, Kelly Wan? Because Dingus said footwear, he can get away with that. We could have picked a stilt scene. Yeah. So the trash can. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Next, we have uh, a listener named Mike Cathcart. Here's some footwear picks for your consideration. Haha, that guy saw Poseidon. Yeah. Wait, he's. I'm jealous. Uh, Klingon assassins disguised as Starfleet officers wearing magnetic boots board a damaged Klingon ship to kill David Warner, framing Kirk's crew in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So they were about to do Hamlet, I think. Uh, Number two for Mike Cathcart. Well, you keep moving. Max goes back into the bog alone to buy time for the war rig's engines to cool. Alright, so Max, obviously, Mike's eight favorite movies from last year. Um, He returns with ammo, steering wheel, and a boot for Nux in 2016 Academy Award Best Picture nominee Mad Max Fury Road. It is kind of like it's, uh, you know, when, when I, last week when I was saying, you know, why didn't he just shoot Furiosa in the head? But, like, Max is kind of a nice guy. He gets the guy a boot. Yeah. There's a line he doesn't cross. He only kills assholes. Well, in the, in the, in the fight scene with uh, Furiosa and the women and when Nux is involved and he's, uh, you know, he gets his jacket back from Nux, um, because Nux is saying, oh, we've captured the the women, and, uh, and Morton Joe is going to be so happy. We can be rewarded with anything I, we want. And uh, Max is like, hey, that's my jacket. Give it back to me. And it's so cute. Nicholas Holt's line is something like, oh, you can get much more than a jacket. <laughs> like, he's really concerned that that's all Max is going to ask for. Um, and then Max punches him in the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> what a dick move. But you're right. He does maybe feels bad about that, and that's why he brings him a shoe. That is sweet. It's like a buddy cop movie. Uh, no, it's not Kelly Wan. No. It's like a booty cop movie. See, oh. see Kelly Wan, see what you've started? Shoe Road. <laughs> and Mike Cathcart's number one, quote, why are there so many shoes in here, unquote. Uh, Thor and Natalie Portman find the shoes Cat <laughs> Dennings threw into the parking garage, dimensional portal in Thor the Dark World. 2013, my all-time favorite movie about Thor in the Dark World. Uh, that's a pretty good catch. Remembering something from Thor the Dark World is very impressive. That actually. is quite a feat, yes. Yeah. yeah, That's better than anything Jackie Chan ever did in a fight scene, I'll say. Yeah. And yeah. Cathcart's honorable mention is the boot from Das Boot. Oh, see? See what you guys uh, are encouraging? Yeah. He's like Stallone. If you give him too much encouragement, you regret it. (laughs) Next, we have Nick Smith. Hey, guys. I actually saw Brooklyn 2, so my 3x3 streak continues. When I first heard the topic, my favorite footwear, I thought it was going to be super easy, but then somehow it ended up being really hard. Hmm. And now here I am with all my picks coming from martial arts movies. Oh, my gosh. Here we go again. Some Jackie Chan. All right. Colton Westfield is going to love these. Uh, number three, Kingsman, The Secret Service. Say hello to Gazelle. Oh. I guess the 3x3 police might pull me over for this one since it's more of a leg than a footwear entry. Yeah, it's, it's a, that, That's impossible. where the condom is. It's good enough for Sorry. Oscar Pistorius. 
I mean, oh, that's footwear. Oh, too soon. Too what? Soon. What? I mean, it has nothing to do with him murdering his wife. It's just that's what he wears. She's only his girlfriend, Tom. Oh, is that true? Okay. In that case, it's all right. It's, it's, it's less bad. Uh, but I'm having a hard enough time as it is, so I'll risk it. Super hot actress and dancer Sophia Butella plays the henchman gazelle to Samuel Jackson's lispy weirdo Valentine. As far as weaponry goes, I feel like I'm having swords for feet. It's pretty good. I, I like Nick's pick. That's a good one. I'm in yeah. uh, Number two, who am I? Payback via clog. As long as I'm doing martial arts-inspired stuff, I might as well do something with Jackie Chan. And this is one of the things I thought of. In Who Am I, Jackie Chan plays a guy with amnesia, then lots of slapsticky fighting happens. The footwear scene takes place in Holland, with a hero fleeing from a bunch of bad guys down a tourist-filled street after losing his shoes in the previous scuffle. Scuffle, not scuffle. Um, uh, catching up with him as he crashes into a display of wooden clogs, uh, the bad guys gleefully twirl their mustaches while kicking and stopping on Jackie's feet and toes. Tables turn, however, when Jackie manages to swiftly but painfully jam a pair of clogs on and starts to quite literally kick some butt. Uh, Colton, meet Nick. Nick, meet Colton. You guys have a lot in common. Yep. Uh, you guys should hang out. Yeah, you guys should. Uh, Nick's number one, Game of Death. <laughs> I love this one. This is one with Kareem. Black and yellow sneakers versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow. <laughs> Kelly Wan, this is Nick. Nick, this is Kelly Wan. You guys should hang out. You have a lot in oh. I'm excited about this. Yes. Game yeah, of death. A great time going out. As, uh, which one of you is going to be the gooseberry? Is the question. I'll be the catcher. Uh, Huckleberry. These are black and yellow sneakers, and they look awesome, especially while being worn by Bruce Lee in a fight with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The jumpsuit is cool, too. But I wouldn't wear that. Sneakers I would and do. Uma Thurman also looked pretty good in this getup for Kill Bill, but Bruce Lee was the one who sold me on it. Thanks, guys. Keep up the pods. Thank who you, Nick. The, who wins in a fight between them, by the way? Uh, it's a Bruce Lee movie, so it's kind of like Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Nick it's like the Harlem Globetrotters, so it's like Brooklyn. Oh. Next we have Sorry. Arthur Giovannin. Good lord, what a one! Kelly. Thank you, Kelly Mond. Uh, number three, Face Off. The prison in this movie forces prisoners to wear magnetic boots, so they can be immobilized by activating the magnetic floor. It's funny to see Nicolas Cage walking around in these massive boots. That's uh, how it was. Yeah. Uh, Deadlock, maybe. Oh, maybe it is Deadlock. It just came to me. I don't know. I promise I didn't Google that or look that well up. Well done, Tom. I, I think maybe Deadlock. Okay, it I'm sorry. Something so go, like that. Yeah. Go ahead. Deadlock. Yeah, that got uh, shaken. Arthur sh- shook it loose in my head somehow. Thank you, Arthur. Well done, Arthur. Uh, his number two is Kingsman, the Secret Service. Gazelle, played by <laughs> Sophia Butella, sports a pair of impressive bionic legs with razor-sharp blades where the feet would be. F-E-A-T. Arthur. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if this counts as footwear, but it Still is really cool weapon and sets up some interesting fight scenes. She's like and a finally, Arthur's number one is The Incredibles. Oh, all right. very well done, Arthur. I like this. Is it the rocket boots? Yeah, buddy, Mr. Incredibles' number one fan, builds a pair of rocket boots that allow him to fly. These work very well and show Buddy's talent for invention, which he later puts to grim use as Syndrome. Syndrome uses the rocket boots throughout the movie, and they seem very reliable. I'd like a pair. I'm with you, Arthur. 
Uh, Arthur, meet Rihanna. Rihanna, meet Arthur. You guys think cartoons are movies? You have a lot in common. You should hang out. <laughs> I'm a Tomorrowland Brad Bird. All right, we have a listener named uh, Robert Perry Cruz. I'm not sure how to say the last name, and I apologize, Robert, if I said it wrong. But you have a very cool-looking name, Robert Perry Cruis. This guy, actually, so I uh, this I've talked to this guy. This guy, I mentioned this to you, Dingus, and I just think it's a great time to plug this. He has a great idea for a podcast, and I wish I could remember the name because I would plug it. But uh, he does a podcast with people where they come on to talk about their favorite song. It's like we talk ah. about a movie. Yeah. He does a little half-hour, forty-five-minute podcast where he talks about someone's favorite song, which uh, I love the idea. Uh, and I might be joining him on that, but I just love the idea of it. I listened to a few of them. It's just like us gabbing about a movie, but it's two people talking about one of their favorite songs. I love the idea of that. That's a really good. Cool, so does he? Is his his last name Perry Cruz? I'm assuming it's just Perry Cruz. I I don't know. Right. And you know what, Dingus? While you read that, I'm actually going to Google the name of this podcast because it deserves a plug. So go ahead. All right. Yeah, I agree. This, I this mean, I think just come up on the first one. I mean, and then the server. if there's if there's a like a goofy podcast where somebody does one. Like one minute of the Star Wars movie for every podcast. This oh, dude doing a podcast of a song and where you talk about a song for half an hour. I, I love that idea. And since the moment you told me about it, um, I just thought, man, what a great idea. What a great idea for a song. Cause there's a lot, there's other songs like Song Exploder and I mean other podcasts where they like break apart the musical parts of a song, but asking somebody, what's your favorite song? Let's talk about it. Yeah. It's, it's a super cool idea. So, yeah, uh, listeners, if you want to check this out, it's called They're Playing Our Song. You can Google that or just go to playingoursong.net and check out his podcast. Oh, great. All right, That's so let's really see cool. what he, what kind of shoes he's into. All right. Uh, hi there, QT3 crew. Here are, some, here are three examples of footwear that came to me once I put my mind to the task. And number three, in the seminal 80s children's adventure movie, The Goonies, <laughs> uh, which two of us, I think, have not seen. That's right. What? And I, 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 I sort of proclaim that proudly. Right, yeah. I'm that's surprised a bad spot for this. me as well. Because huh. you know, there's only so many Josh Brolin movies I'm going to see. <laughs> huh. All right. Um, it's not that in, great. In the movie The Goonies, gadget inventor Data creates a pair of sneakers which conceal oil slick shooters in the heels. Dubbing them slick shoes, Data uses his footwear to lubricate a narrow log bridge and causes the villainous Fratelli brothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. I forgot. Causes uh, the villainous Fratelli brothers. Yeah, Fratelli brothers. <laughs> to stop making pasta <laughs> and do slip and That's, fall. Wait, now I want to see it. That's kind of good. Is Hilarious. all that good? Hilarious hits. To the crotch and sue. Wait, Kelly Wand, you haven't seen the Goonies? I have, but I don't. I didn't oh, remember okay. that joke or get it when I was a kid, and okay. now it's funny to me. It makes me want to see the whole movie. You know what? Can't you just? You know what? There's no point watching Goonies. Just watch Spy Kids, right? Yeah, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> or Shark Boy versus Spy Kids. Uh, Roberts number Chunk. two. Nothing adds to the high stakes at play during the epic hoverboard chase scenes in Back to the Future Part 2, like the spiky boots worn by future bully Griff. In a close-up of him stomping down on his own hoverboard, I distinctly remember feeling the weight of those things from the safety of the theater and knew that Griff was no pushover like his grandpa, Biff Tannen. For a minute, I thought Robert was going to try to get away with a hoverboard as footwear. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And Robert's number one in The 40-Year-Old Virgin... A young Jonah Hill interrupts Steve Carell mid-date 
request to inquire about a pair of ultra-sparkly platform boots. Though his lackadaisical frustration at not being able to buy the 70s space boots directly from Catherine Keener's eBay store is always funny, I find the scene mostly interesting because of the goldfish found in the platform base of the boots. Can you imagine Jonah Hill wearing those things? Maybe in Superbad too. Keep up the great work, fellas. Robert Perry Cruz. Uh, next we have, uh, and thanks, Robert. Thanks again. Uh, thank, next we have Scott Andrews. Scott writes, footwear, a pair of picks. Number one, Warden Norton opens a shoebox and finds Andy Dufresne's shoes in the Shawshank Redemption. He looks first confused, then alarmed. Moments later, the prison alarm sounds. More bad news. Um, Runner-up. Lord Business from the Lego movie wears boots that are almost oh, God, right. taller than Lord Business. It's sections that light up. I forgot that. And finally, we have Chris Markinson. Uh Hey, guys. Here are my three favorite pieces of footwear. Number three, Sicario. I'm guessing this, this might have been chosen, but in case it hasn't, Josh Brolin's sandals deserve a mention. Not sandals, Chris. Flip-flops. Thank you. Please, sandals well, gives him, dignifies <laughs> him way too much. <laughs> well, Footwear in movies is mostly about its visual presentation. My number two pick is about how shoes sound. In Brick, oh, in Brick, a knife-wielding man dressed all in black. Oh, God, awesome. Yeah. Awesome, Chris. This is a great pick, actually. Wow. Damn, Chris. Uh, Black chases after Joseph Gordon-Levitt around the school. There's no music played during this chase, and you can hear the lighter... Rapid tap, tap, tap of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's shoes while he runs, while the heavier, thudding footfalls of his assailant are a very nice contrast. If I have to choose between the two, I think I prefer the more ominous, heaving, thudding of the assailant's shoes. That's a great pick. Dang. So I just want to say, Disney, if you're listening, when you let Ryan Johnson make a Star Wars movie, please let him do cool stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, man, I can hear that in my head. That's a great pick. That is good. You know, I had this weird thing that happened to me uh, mentally after 9-11. I'm sorry to bring this up. Where every time I went on, when I flew on an airplane, I wore my heaviest boots. Just because I thought, if something goes down, I want to be able to kick somebody really hard. All right, All right Mark Wahlberg. Nice work. Yeah. See? That's what happened. <laughs> what are you going to do in flip-flops, Tom? Throw them. Here, here's my flip-flop. Uh, you could, if you, you get some good velocity with a flip-flop, it would hurt. I bet. Especially if it hit you like in the eye, Dingus. I mean, that's no laughing matter. You get hit in the eye with a hurled flip-flop, you're not going to be laughing. You're not going to be thinking that's funny. The velocity of my flip-flop sounds like a Sundance movie. Right. And Chris Markinson's number one, Wild. Reese Witherspoon. Oh, dadgummit. Dad, why does Chris Markinson always – why is he so much better at 3 by 3s than us? Because oh. his memory is insane. Sometimes. His memory is insane, and he thinks like crazy he's awesome. The thing is, you guys haven't seen Wild, so you don't know how awesome this pick is. I mean, it's a great uh, – this is so good. Reese Witherspoon is wearing brown hiking boots with red laces that aren't the right size for her. She sits down at a mountain pass and takes off her boots and socks to find that her right big toe is bleeding. She oh. pulls the nail off her – oh, what uh, – Chris. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. See, this is the opening of the scene. This is gross. You guys, uh, can you raise yourself. This? She pulls the nail of her right big toe and lets out a scream of pain and leans back, knocking her backpack to the side, which knocks her boot down the mountain pass. She then lets out a scream of anger and tosses the other boot down the mountain pass as well. Thanks, guys. Jesus. So that I sounds- oh. 
that's a great thing, but there's a there's another awesome uh dingus are there more because I, I don't want to scoop anyone uh let me just check the spam thing no we're good we're done so there's another awesome bit in uh wild which once again let's make the shoe uh movie appearances all about me uh when i recently <laughs> went to uh visit uh, my little sister who lives in in canada and you know i'm in la i wear flip-flops i don't it's not a good idea to wear flip-flops apparently in calgary which is very cool wait you brought them no, no, as I needed to get good boots. Like, I needed to get boots right. you can wear if you're going to be somewhere oh, right. where this stuff called snow falls out of the sky. I had to right. be prepared for that. Um, so I had to get some nice boots. So there's a moment in Wild that actually influenced, like, what boots I got. I, I was like, okay, what were the boots that she had in Wild? Because that's what I want. Because <laughs> there's an awesome scene in Wild um, where she's getting a little more acclimated to uh, to the hiking, to the, to the the grueling nature of doing this trip, and she falls in with some some really friendly people at a rest station, like for people hiking this trail, and uh, she's dealing with the fact that her boots don't really fit her very well. And one of the really experienced guys, and it's this great scene where she's been isolated for so long, and suddenly like everybody is sort of like warm, and there's camaraderie, and they receive her, and they're friendly, and they help her. And one of my favorite scenes is someone saying, "Okay, let's see what you got in your pack, and I'm going to tell you what things you need to throw away because you don't you're not, you don't want those." And it's this great scene where this guy goes through her pack and it's like, "Nope, you don't need that. You don't need that. Get rid of that." Um, and he's just doing it out of kindness, and it's so like, he's being so paternal towards her. But at any rate, her boots don't fit, so someone explains to her. If your boots aren't uh, – or is it the ones she threw away? But for whatever reason, either the boots don't fit or she's, it's the ones she's thrown away. And the guy explains to her, well, the company you bought these boots from, and he names an actual boot company called uh, Ray, R-E-I. Uh, we can send – you can call them, and your boots have a lifetime guarantee, so they will overnight a pair of boots – well, they will send a pair of boots to where you will – to the next point at the station where you can pick up mail. Uh, and I just thought that was – I was like, wait a minute. Is there a company that would do that? And I remember Googling that, and sure enough, this company, Ray, R-E-I. Uh, Did you pronounce Ray? Because I always have oh. thought of them as R-E-I. Oh, you actually say R-E-I. You might be right. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's – it's, yeah. And they say it in the movie, so I – in the movie, had no idea what they were talking about. I had to Google it and remind myself. Uh, I didn't get those boots because they are super expensive. You're getting what you pay for. Wait, I have a question. But it was product placement, by the way, that once again – Totally worked on me. So Wait, you, Kelly you, Wand, yes. You watched a movie where Reese Witherspoon <laughs> pulled off her own toenail because her boots were fucked up. <laughs> I, and I, want went, I want to get a pair of those for Canada. No, it's explained <laughs> Based to her, on that. It's explained to her that the boots didn't fit her. That the problem was she didn't get the right boots and that right. they would replace them with the right boots. Because uh, I, I could picture me in Canada having to rip out my toenails and I would just call REI and say, uh, I screwed up. I'm not an eight and a half. I'm a ten. Send me a new pair, and they would do it. Wow, that, that oh. didn't happen, fortunately. Oh. Uh, I think that's where I got my favorite pair of of warm boots. You know, when we uh, went up to Sundance, I, I I was super nervous about like getting like the right stuff and right gear and whatnot because I knew we were going to be trudging through the snow and everything. Um, so I think I went there to get the boots that are still my favorite boots. They're, they're super warm, though. I mean, as soon as I put my feet in them, it's like heat. And, and uh, to be fair, I don't know that they have that whole like lifetime guarantee on all their yeah. boots. Like right. it might be because when I was looking into it, I was like, oh, I don't want to spend that much on boots. I'm just going to wear for one trip to Canada. They don't right. guarantee your toenail. 
they will not cover your toenail. You're right. Yes, that's true. Kelly. Ah, oh, that toenail thing is awful. Do you guys have any uh, runners up? Uh, well, uh, Chris gave you're... one, so yeah, yes, Kelly won. Dingus's number one reminded me of in Salvador when James Woods uh, is like getting killed or beaten up by the border patrol at the end and they destroy all this film of all this stuff and then afterwards someone makes a deus ex machina phone call and gets him off the hook and then he laughingly shows them like filmy as in the sole of his boot that they didn't find a smuggling boot smuggling boot and then also uh the from russia with love ending old lady uh room service a lot of clamps. What's her name? That one who has a spike come out of her shoe. Oh, a spike. Uh, like a, a okay. It's like a poison spike too. Right. That comes out of her shoe, and James Bond defeats her with a chair. I think. <laughs> By holding shoe her versus face. chair fight. Yeah, he outshoes her with the chair, while the hot blonde watches, and eventually helps. Uh, so That's I all I have to my uh, son tonight about the footwear thing and he immediately came up with the Avengers um, what's the boot what's the shoes in the Avengers his favorite footwear from the Avengers he, he he went through this super fast thing in his head where he's like he thought about the different shoes that all of them were wearing and it was this weird computer mind thing where he came up with it like in a second uh, his favorite footwear from the Avengers or from basically any movie that he came up with right then is the is is Black Widow's shoes at the end of that opening torture scene after she's defeated everybody she gets up and she picks up her shoes and walks off. Oh yeah, oh that's kind of mm. sexy though. It's a little I, I don't think your yeah. son fully understands the implications of that scene. No, or that was his uh, moment. I hope he like, does not since he's eleven. <laughs> um, but as soon as he said it, I immediately saw in my head her. Her scooping up her shoes and walking down the way. It was great. Kind of like uh, Mark Zuckerberg's flip-flops, those have the same sort of prefix applied to them as a pair of shoes. Ah, very good. Um, I'm also shocked nobody brought up – is not is it Romancing the Stone where he breaks off the heels of her, her, her shoes? Uh, yeah, Jurassic, Jurassic yeah. Park. No, doesn't – oh, no, wait. She keeps the oh she keeps the heels in Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's, they that, that's what you mean Jurassic there. World. Jurassic World, right, right, okay. right. But yeah, you're right, because I'm remembering something that's got to be romancing the stone. Very good. I that's... think it is. And then the other like high heel moment is this: there's a snake going through one of the shoes of Karen Allen. Uh, that's good. In in the uh, in the uh, well of the souls. In Raiders, yeah. In Raiders, Lost. Oh. Yeah. That part. Tom, good. did you have any runners up? No, I, uh, I, yeah, now that Chris has reminded me of Wild, I'm like, I, I've just, I'd like to erase my list and start over. <laughs> I will keep high and low, though. I'm going to hang on to that one. I think Face Off deserves constant reviewing. You know what? No. So there's this cheesy, you know, it's kind of dope. There's a science fiction series on sci fi called The Expanse, and they, they try to do all this like cool spacey stuff. And they have this cheesy conceit where anytime they decide they don't want to, spring for the budget to make it look like there's zero G, they'll have the characters put on uh, boots that they just have a spe- they show the boot stepping into the frame and a, and a red light on the back of the boot turns green oh. to show that they're clamp anti-gravity boots and then they just stop shooting with weightlessness. So this whole idea of like heavy gravity clamp boots, like no, I, I'm not impressed with that anymore. 
So sorry, Kelly One. It's like how they cheesed the budget in Coney Island by forgetting to even have the extras react when he wolf whistles. It's like no one cares. It's too expensive. Uh, I, I, there's these. You can find these all over the place online. Uh, there are clips where people will will show extras kind of screwing up a scene, and the famous one is the little kid in Back to the Future Three, like pointing at his crotch. Because he's, he's telling someone off screen that he's got to go to the restroom. He's a little kid who's obviously been told when, That's when you're sh- yeah, he's obviously been told when you're shooting, don't say anything. You know, just make that gesture, and I'll tell the director that I need to get you. And it's in the movie. It's behind uh, Christopher Lloyd. Is this kid? Just pointing back and like vehemently at his crotch. Uh, Maybe that's just his character, though. Right, that's his character. Um, but there's a great one in. Dingus, you would know this. What's the the one where because you, you have this line this you mentioned it in three by three where Cary Grant's like swings up in a train the the Mount Rushmore Hitchcock one. Yeah, North by and North by North. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, yeah. in, so in North by Northwest, there's a a scene in a crowded. I don't know if it's like a cafeteria or something where somebody fires a gun and the crowd screams and disperses. Right. Maybe it's a train station or whatever. And no, it's, it's at the monument. It's in the cafeteria of the monument. Exactly. Yeah. So do you know about this extra little story thing? No, no. Okay. So if you watch um, – and you, I'm sure you can Google this. Uh, there's a little kid who's one of the extras – who, before the gun comes out, you can see him wincing, and, and he's like putting his hands over his ears because he knows there's going to be a gunshot. They've done the scene a few times. It's another he's take. Fired. Yeah, but he's totally wincing in advance of the gun, knowing that someone's going to whip out a gun and shoot it. In he's a playing a psychic extra. <laughs> Very good, Kelly Wan. He's one of the kids from The Fury or something, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah so. There's also the classic Star Wars scene where the stormtrooper shits his pants. <sighs> On that note, Kelly Wand, well, you know what? On that note, I'm a little worried to ask you this, but what is next week's 3x3? It's a little similar. That's a good – that's my segue. (laughs) So get ready. Uh, Next week's 3x3 topic is three best pranks gone wrong. What? Huh? Three best pranks gone wrong. So it has to be a prank that doesn't work? Or that uh, works in an unexpected way that's interesting enough to talk about on the internet, even. Can we ask Tom? It, let's, let's if you have any submissions you would like to send, we ask, Tom, pranks we ask him wrong. to define prank? It's probably not, Dingus. That, that, that way lies heartache. All right, good. Okay, never mind. All right, I'm going to turn, uh, turn off the gone wrong in movies to 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. Spelled the way it's usually described on the podcast. Verbal. Uh, we would love to read it on the air. And also, if you see the movie that I'm about to tell you uh, that we're seeing next week, you can also send in your comments about that to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Oh, yeah. So we would love for you next week. Uh, this is my number two favorite movie of last year. It's available for Ooh. video on demand. It's playing in Germany where Kelly Wand lives. Uh, there's a movie called Victoria. Um, which we are going to discuss on the podcast next week, because when I mentioned it was my number two, these two jokers hadn't seen it. So I'm going to make sure they see it, and we're going to do a podcast on it. Uh, I invite you to watch it. If you have anything that you would like to say about it or anything you would like us to discuss about it or any questions maybe, uh, send those in to 3x3 at quarter3.com. We will watch that, and then we will discuss <laughs> Pranks Gone Wrong, that, that staple of cinema, 
boy, who doesn't immediately that doesn't evoke that evokes lots of things. Wow, right off the bat. There's six police academies, maybe seven, I forget. <laughs> I guess I know what I'll be having to watch this week. Uh, join us for that next week. Uh, and also, as I mentioned at the uh, the little uh, commercial at the beginning of the podcast, please send in your picks for our raffle drive. Uh, I, am, oh, yeah. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Mnchlodensky. It's Christian Morosky. All right, I was so close. And Kelly Wand. It's a bummer. Point Break's only playing in German now. Well, I guess that's enough talk about the jazz singer. What do you think, Douglas? He's not even reading from a book, Tom. He knows all of that. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! What's the difference between losing your mortality or dying? That's stupid. <laughs> In German, it made sense to me. If you'd been nice last night, I would have played fair. 